improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Guys, the Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James with the rejection. Holy cow. Oh, my God. I don't believe it. It just continues. Welcome back into another episode of the Sports Hour. This is Mitch Mo, and this is Dallin. Guys, welcome on into the podcast. It is good to be here, Mitch. We are back. A little bit of a hiatus over the holidays. Got to take time off with the friends and the family. But here we are. It's a new year. Same old podcast, Mitch. We are recording this. We're live. If you're joining us live, hello on our YouTube, on our Twitter. We appreciate you joining. If you're listening to the podcast, hello to you. We are recording this on January 4th. It is a Wednesday, my dudes. It is Wednesday, my dudes. We ah! love it. <laughs> it's great. It feels so good to be back, first and foremost, Mitch. It feels good. We just took like a you know a little extra a week or so off, but uh, you know, just love doing this. Love being live here uh, as we started doing the last month or so, and uh, we got a jam-packed show today. Tons of stuff. Lots of stuff. More news than I think we've had in a long time. Yes. Long time we haven't had this much news. And, and there's a lot to get into. There's a ton. Absolutely. Yeah, news in the NFL, NBA, and MLB. We'll obviously be talking a lot of college football with bowl season. Soon to wrap up the national championship game coming up this Monday. Uh, as well as the final week of the NFL season, week 18 ahead. So we'll be getting into all that as well as on the second uh, side of the of the podcast of the episode today, uh, a little draft. You know, we've been having fun with the drafts. We got a little fun uh, head-to-head draft we'll do on the back half of the podcast today. So uh, a lot in store. And Mitch, I think, uh, you know, let's not waste any more time here. Let's jump uh, right in and we... We've got to do it with the news. That's right. Let's get into the news and notes around the world of sports. Let's get into the news. All righty. News. (laughs) News. This is it. This is the news. This is what you came for. Uh, This isn't news to anyone here. Uh, You probably actually already knew about most of this stuff. Um, but we're going to talk about it. Mitchell, we do want to start this off um, with something that's been at the forefront of most people's minds in the sports world and, and particular in the particularly in the football world uh, with what happened on Monday night with DeMar Hamlin. Uh, he's the Buffalo Bills player who went down uh, during the Monday night game. Uh, he suffered an apparent cardiac arrest on the field. Uh, During the Bills game against the Bengals on Monday night, he was taken uh, off the field by ambulance to the hospital. The game was then postponed. 
and he has been in the hospital since the latest update we have is as of this morning. Uh, and that is that obviously he's still hospitalized in critical conditions. He has shown signs of improvement. Uh, he is expected to remain under intensive care uh, as they continue to monitor and treat him. He's, he's uh, still sedated at this time about two days after this incident has happened. And uh, so it's not bad news, but uh, not a big, not a ton of more information on what's going on with him. And uh, we just wanted to start off with our thoughts and our prayers to him, to his family, his friends, his loved ones, the Bills organization, uh, the Bengals organization, and everybody that was affected by this incident. I mean, uh, you know, you, you're watching a sport and we love sports because it's fun. Sports are fun. Uh, they're an escape from the world in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, football is a violent sport and we forget that at times. And we have moments where it becomes very real. This was a moment. I think no, no one was very prepared for it really puts into perspective, uh, the violence that this game does have and the potential, uh, risks that are there. And, uh, it's, very sad. We hope the best for him and we hope he recovers. Uh, and, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of great things that have come out of this. His GoFundMe, uh, his toy drive, I believe, right? It's over like millions of donations now as a result. Over $6 so, million dollars raised now over just the last 48 hours or so. Yeah, so. it's it's um, I mean, it's it's a tragic, a tragic incident. We hope the best for him. But we we thought it, it we had to acknowledge that, uh, you know, first and foremost here on the podcast. Yeah, um, of course, our, our thoughts and prayers are with Demar and his family. Um, it's I've never seen anything like that on a football field, but never. It was it was a very chilling scene to to see even just from my living room you know it was it was very chilling to watch um again our, our the you don't want to understate the seriousness of the situation but you don't want to say too much and you know and say what you know say things that you don't know so um, i think that as a whole sports media has done a very good job of monitoring the situation very carefully um, because this is yes. a very unique situation. And so I do want to give them the, the, you know, their kudos on that and making sure that no one oversteps their bounds, essentially. Um, football is, I think what this really put into perspective for me is that though I love this game, I played it for a long time. I've followed it for even longer. Um, it's just a game at the end of it. And it is so secondary to uh, when someone's life hangs in the balance. And so um, quite honestly, I haven't even thought about, Oh, are they going to make this game up? <laughs> Cause it, right. it, it, to me, it, it doesn't matter. And I think to any decent human being, it shouldn't matter. You know, it's what should matter right now is that this young man, 24 years old, second year in the league is living his dream gets healthy again. Yeah. And so um, that should be first and foremost right now. Of course, we're going to move on and move forward and there's going to be more football played this weekend, but yeah. um, that that is completely secondary and irrelevant when it comes to uh, what DeMar is going to have to go through and what his family is going to have to go through. So uh, our thoughts and prayers are with him, 
the Buffalo Bills. Um, I do also want to say thoughts and prayers with T. Higgins. I know that he was pretty shaken up after that play. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just uh, it was a very serious situation and one that I've never witnessed and never want to see again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really uh, an unprecedented situation. Uh, as far as the the game itself, what we know so far is that the game obviously is not going to be made up in the week of 17. It's not also looks like it's not going to be made up in week 18. Those games that we played as expected. So uh, will the game end up being played at all? We still don't really know there. I've seen some speculation that they would potentially play it uh, in in that first playoff week. Give the AFC a bye play the NFC playoff games that week and then flip flop the next week, the AFC wildcard would play the NFC would be on the bye, and we'd basically push everything back a week. I doubt that heavily, right? We're talking about the super bowl is already booked for a date. I mean, these venues like this, the, the logistics of moving everything back a week at this point for a single game is unlikely when both teams are already playoff teams, right? Seating matters. Seeding matters, but it's not like one of these teams is fighting for a playoff spot and desperately needed a win, right? So the most likely scenario is that this game doesn't get played. Does it count as a draw? Does it count as a no contest? You know, who knows? But ultimately, I think the NFL schedule will uh, move along accordingly. What what should happen is they should go to winning percentages the, right. and, and determine right. the seeding that way. And But like I said, like, who cares? Right. Who cares if this game gets played? You know, that's yep. not what matters here. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, it, the, the, the logistics of it will all get figured out and, right. and football will go on as, as planned. But, you know, as far as making this game up, I really don't care. I really don't care. Yep. One bit. Uh, Mitch, let's, uh, let's dig into some of our news for this week. Uh, and this, this is news. that's a bit old, but since we haven't had a podcast in a minute, uh, we would be remiss if we did not bring this up, but, uh, second head coach losing his job. Uh, something I predicted, I predicted a first year head coach would not make it out of the season. And sure enough, Nathaniel Hackett did not make it out of his first season in Denver fired as a head coach of the Broncos after a four and 10 start to his uh, NFL head coaching tenure uh, and uh, short lived there in Denver disappointing season all around. And, you know, there's a lot of blame to be given in different places here. Certainly Russ, Russell Wilson has a, his fair share of blame here, uh, but there is a heavy amount of blame that should go to Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, and this team never got right. And and here's the thing. You can start off bad and you can even be bad in year one as the Broncos and keep your job. You cannot continue. You can't get worse as the season goes on, right? You like, you can't like they've gotten better since firing him. That's the biggest indictment of like, you know, what do you have the quality of his job? Right. Uh, so I, I think, this is probably the right move. Now, the biggest question is going to be how do they replace him and who can they bring in that is going to resurrect Russell Wilson with what he is right now? We will see what that looks like, but uh, I think that this is probably the right move. What do you think? Oh, it's 100% the right move. If it wasn't going to happen in the middle of the season, it surely was going to happen by the end of the year. So, I mean... 
I, I, I think it's a good idea that they just cut ties now. And they just said, you know what? We're not going to make you work for us for the next, you know, three to four weeks. We're just going to cut ties now and, and call it quits. And it's justified. It's justified. He's clearly not ready to be in a head coaching role. And I think that was kind of the knock on him. Um, when he got the job in the first place was, you know, he had a lack of experience um, on the sidelines uh, that there was a plenty of other guys like Eric B enemy and um, plenty of other individuals. Uh, we, we talked about Brian Flores, you know, like there were, there was mm-hmm. plenty of other guys that had plenty of other exp- you know, experience to be in that head coaching role. And can't Nathaniel Hackett didn't fit that. Um, and him and Russell Wilson just never really seemed to get on the same page. And so I think if you're a Broncos fan, you're not really giving up on Russell Wilson yet. I know I wouldn't. Um, you can't. You're invested are, whether you want to or not. You know? Right. They're, they're so <laughs> invested into him, but you also know the track record of Russell Wilson. And yeah. so like for him to have a down year in a new system with a head coach that's brand new to the head coaching role, as much as you want to pin a lot of blame on Russell Wilson, which he does bear some of that, you can't put the, the, you know, the majority or a, or a huge load on his shoulders. It, a lot of this falls on Nathaniel Hackett and not being able to figure out how to make it work. So um, the firing is justified. He's a talented offensive mind though. He'll find a job somewhere, but maybe yeah. head coaching just right now is not in the near future for him. Yeah. And listen, you know, down the road, get some OC experience, bounces around, get the second shot, and and maybe it works out. You know, we see that quite a bit. Uh, A lot of guys take a couple opportunities to find that right fit, Uh, but certainly not in Denver. Uh, I am curious how much of a say Russell Wilson will get in this decision. There is a new ownership group, right? In, mm-hmm. in for this Broncos organization now. There is a GM who has been here a couple years in, in Patton, but he is still relatively new. Uh, and now you have this uh, quarterback who you've invested hundreds of millions of dollars into uh, who clearly needs to get right. And this head coach has to be on page on the same page with that. So I wonder how much say and in, in sort of what that power struggle looks like ultimately when the decision comes down. One of the names potentially in the mix for this job and any other NFL head coaching opportunity is a former NFL coach in the college ranks, Mitch, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, it was reported yesterday on Tuesday that he has talked with the Panthers owner, David Tepper, about their open position. They fired Matt Rule back in October. He has discussed that job reportedly with the owner there in Carolina. There would certainly be, you know, a conversation with him in Denver if there was mutual interest there. And I wonder, I guess, I want to get your thoughts on the Carolina thing. I've got thoughts on the Carolina thing I'll get into in a second. But I want to get your thoughts on on John uh, Jim Harbaugh in Carolina. I'd love John Harbaugh there, too, but I don't think he's available. But I, I think but he's I, staying I, in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, I would love it, but I, I don't think yeah. he's leaving. Uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on Jim Harbaugh there. And then just, I guess, in general, in back in the NFL, do you think Denver, Carolina are good fits? Is there another potential opening? that we don't know of yet that would make even more sense to you. I want to, I mean, we could flash back to when Jim Harbaugh took over San Francisco. And um, this was like, I think a post Mike Nolan post Mike Singletary era where, you know, Jim Harbaugh took over kind of a floundering Niners organization and turned them around into a winner, took them to a super bowl. 
was a perennial playoff team. Um, Jim Harbaugh is a great coach. I think that when he says um, he'll be coaching at Michigan next season, I don't 100% buy that. He says he thinks he'll be coaching. That was the quote. He, and I think I'll be coaching at Michigan this season. And here's why I don't buy that is because <laughs> he wasn't supposed to leave San Francisco for Michigan either. Right. He right. was supposed to stay in San Francisco. Then his alma mater comes calling and he leaves he leaves San Francisco for Michigan, which is fine. You you get you get your dream job, you get to go coach at your alma mater, but that was a now, bad situation with the GM Balky. They didn't get along. There was yeah, and you know, there was there was other front yeah, office, yeah, you know, right. stuff that that definitely was a, a, a you know played into that. But um, I like him going to the Panthers. I think that he is yeah. a great developer of quarterbacks. We saw what he did with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick over there in San Francisco. He was a quarterback himself, so he knows how to work with that position and with Carolina, who is in desperate need of a quarterback. Um, this might be a good opportunity for him to go and and build a winner upon the principles that he, the same kind of principles that he did in San Francisco, which was dominant defense and great quarter, great smart quarterback play. Right. Um, and so I could see that potential with him in Carolina. Yeah, I, I think he's honestly a pretty good fit for either spot in Denver with Russell Wilson. You know, if that marriage is there, if they can, if they are on the same page, you know, we talk about how good he is with quarterbacks. Well, there you go. That's what you'd want to bring in for a guy like Russ right now with how he struggled this season. Uh, I think sure. he would be a good fit for Carolina. You know, the two the two spots that, you know, obviously those are the only two openings right now, but I would suspect that obviously Indianapolis, right, they have an opening. I take that back, right? They No more Frank, uh, Frank Reich there, and they're probably not turning it over full-time to Saturday. That, that is too, TBD. I'm sure Jim Harbaugh would be in the mix there. Uh, and I will say Arizona is kind of the other spot that it wouldn't surprise me in a week from now if we're talking about Cliff Kingsbury being out. And right. would he want to go work with Kyler Murray? Would they want to bring in somebody like that with former NFL head coaching experience? That could be another possibility. As far as Carolina goes, as a Carolina fan, now we talked about this in October. I had a short list of my favorite candidates. And he was an honorable mention among guys with former coaching experience. And he was an honorable mention because there was, you know, we don't really know if he's for sure going or not, but, you know, he was going to be in that. With the interest there, and let's just say it's real interest. If there's real interest and he is a legit candidate for this job, he is, as of this moment, he's the number two when it comes to guys with head coaching experience. I would pick Steve Wilkes right now over Harbaugh. I think Steve Wilkes has proved it. The players want him. The players are bought in on Wilkes. And if the players want him, then I want him because I want my players to be happy and succeed. That's how they play good, right? It's just as simple as that. So if the players in the locker room want Steve Wilkes, then me as a fan, I want Steve Wilkes. But if it's not Wilkes, and we're talking about guys with head coaching experience, like Jim Harbaugh, you know, He's going to be bringing a great staff. He's going to bring in a good culture, and that's what the organization needs right now. So I think it'd be a great, great hire. Yeah, Steve Wilkes has done a great job with Carolina since he's taken over. And you know what? It's the Larry Coker effect. You know, we look at those Miami, those University of Miami football teams. They wanted Larry Coker after Butch Davis was out. They're like, right. no, we, we have to keep Coach Coker here. We want him as our head coach. It's the same thing in Carolina. No, we want Steve Wilkes. Give us Steve Wilkes as our guy. Like, 
And, and when you have players rallying around a head coach like that, you know the situation is going to be, you know, wor- is going to work well. It, it may not put out instant results, but you know things are going to be headed in the right direction if you have your team rallying around a guy that's going to be your leader, right? right. So um, I would take Wilkes over Harbaugh as well. Um, I think that there's, there's some other head coaching stuff that's been tossed around the Sean Payton stuff, um, sure. you know, where he goes around it. For by the way, just get Sean Payton going to Denver out of your head. It's not happening because he's bringing yeah. Vic Fangio with him, and Vic Fangio is not going back to Denver. Okay, no. <laughs> so get that out of your mind. I think Sean yeah. Payton goes to Indianapolis. To be honest with mm. you, I think okay. that, that's where he winds okay. up. Um, if he get, if he gets a job, right? right? There's still a process to happen, but um, you're 100 right. Uh, Harbaugh, I think, has a lot of really good fits. You mentioned Arizona; that would be a good one with a young Kyle, you know, young quarterback, Kyler Murray. Kind of maybe needs some redirection. Um, but I'm taking Steve Wilkes in Carolina right now yep. over anyone, really. Yeah, he's been great. My the biggest test with for that, the biggest question I would have for him would be who who are you hiring as your offensive coordinator? That's who I got to know. And if yeah. you could convince me and that guy, then I'm in. You know, that that would be my biggest thing with Wilkes, but he's done everything he's needed to as the interim there, uh, no doubt. It, it'll be interesting to see. Again, a week from now on the podcast next week, I'm sure we will have uh, a few more names, if not at least one other name to discuss as, as far as these head coaching opportunities. Again, three currently, Carolina Panthers, Indianapolis Colts, uh, and the Denver Broncos. Uh, again, we may see one or, may, you know, you never know. A couple more, uh, but... Houston, Seattle, we may see that. Houston, yeah. I mean, again, Arizona, as we discussed, uh, you never know. So, Mitch, let's jump over to the NBA for a bit of NBA news. And I wanted to shout out here. Oh, wait, before we wrap up NFL, I forgot because I didn't throw this in the rundown. This happened (laughs) uh, right before we went live, uh, but we didn't want to miss it. The NFL Pro Football or the Pro Football Hall of Fame announced the 15 finalists. For the class of 2023, some of our favorite names are on this. So we just wanted to go over this list and react real quick. Uh, these are not obviously the ones going in, but the 15 uh, men from which the fi- the entrance will be chosen. And they are as follows. Daryl Rivas, Joe Thomas, Devin Hester, Tori Holt, Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, Dwight Freeney, Jared Allen, Patrick Willis, Demarcus Ware, Zach Thomas, Darren Woodson, Rondé Bar- Barber, Albert Lewis and Willie Anderson, uh, just a, a deep, deep list, uh, you know, right off the bat, I'm saying Revis, he's going to be in, uh, you know, that, that one's got to be no problem. Joe Thomas got to be no problem. Uh, you think at Hester's got to be in, uh, and then we could ask some questions. A lot of really good players in there that I, that I feel like, you know, if not this round, they're going to be in here at some point. So if you could pick five off that list, because I got my five, I think five right now. You give me your five right now, and then I'll I'll tell you mine. All right. So Darrell Revis gotta okay. be in. Easy, jo- easy. Joe Thomas, easy. Gotta be in. Yep. Devin Hester, easy. Gotta be in. Those three, hundred percent. Demarcus Ware, gotta be okay. in. Okay. Okay. And then I'm going Andre Johnson. Ooh. Okay, see, I'd probably go Tory Holt, and ah, go, that's the one I'd, I was thinking. That was yeah, I was between those two. I'd go Tory yeah. Holt, and for Edge, I love Ware, but I would pick Dwight Freeney. Honestly, I'd even go yeah. Jared Allen potentially over Ware because the peak for Allen was best 
player in the league, right? When he was like on, oh, even no. though it was brief, you know, he was really dominant. But uh, again, a lot of great guys on there. But I think those three at the top, those are the locks. Like I'd be shocked if they it's have not to be Joe it, right? Thomas, Devin Hester, Daryl Revis in the in the Hall of Fame this year. I mean, but, that's uh, the greatest DB of his era, the greatest mm-hmm. offensive lineman of his era, and the greatest special teamer of his era. Like yep. it, it has to be it. So yeah. Uh, it seems simple yeah. to me, but uh, we'll see. I guess that happens right, right before the Super Bowl. All uh, right, they announce the actual the entrance into the uh, that class twenty twenty three Pro Football Hall of Fame. So we'll have about a month sure. until that that gets announced. Uh, but we always look forward to that. Uh, always fun to see those names, Mitch. We do got to jump over to the NBA uh, with a bit of news, bit of history happening this week on Monday. Donovan Mitchell, the new Cleveland Cavalier, adding his name amongst the NBA greats with a Cleveland record 71 points. It's the most points any NBA player scored in the last 17 years in a double overtime win over the Chicago Bulls on Monday night, came back, helped lead the team in a comeback, scoring those 71 points, most in a game since Kobe's 81 back in 2006. Mitch, he also had 10 assists. To add to that total, the, he is the first player to score 70 points and have double-digit assists. No one he's had even more than like five or six in a game. Like, mm-hmm. it also score that many points. If you look at the points accounted for, if you add up the assists and the points scored off of those assists, plus his points scored, Donovan Mitchell accounted for 99 points in that game. It's second all-time only behind Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game. So if you're counting assists and points in there, that is the second most offensive output game we've seen in NBA history. I mean, that's what we're talking about that we saw from Donovan Mitchell. And, and you know what, Mitch? This is why, as a Donovan Mitchell fan, I am happy for him to have got out of Utah. I loved him on the jazz and this is no disrespect to this state that I live in. And this is no disrespect to the market that I work in, but he never got the, his due. He has never got the attention he deserved with how good of a player he is because he played for the Utah jazz and nobody cares about the Utah jazz and they probably shouldn't, but they just don't. And Cleveland is not some big market team. It's not some big market, you know, media market anyways, but they're a known franchise because of LeBron and the recent success. And they are more known by the NBA fans around. So Donovan now has a bigger platform to show out. And here he is in his first season, dropping 71 points on a Monday night in January, Mitch. I mean, incredible. That guy is incredible. And I'm just so happy for him having this success and doing it. And I hope he just continues to get more, uh, more shine because of it. Huge game for Spida. I mean, huge game. This dude was just unreal. Like you said, the second most points accounted for output in NBA history. You could look at this game and obviously there's Kobe's 81 and there's been other guys that have scored 60 or 70 um, in a game. You could actually look at this game as the second greatest game ever played by an individual. I mean, and you could maybe even make an argument, the greatest game ever played by an individual because of how much he made the other players around him better while still putting up 71. 
So like how about level of talent and not being the only seven footer amongst a bunch of six foot two guys. I mean, I'm not like we could talk about this Wilt, as like, the greatest game ever played by an individual. I mean, I'm I'm not saying it, but I'm not disagreeing with it either. I'm just I'm, I'm it, not saying it either. I'm just saying it is, it's in the conversation, I think. So I I think that's what makes this so impressive, and that's why I wanted to make sure we talk about it because we'll just I'm forget you... about this. Because if this was LeBron, if this was Kevin Durant. Right. If this was one of the stars, if this was Luca dropping 71, we'd still be talking about it. We'd still be talking about it two days later. The news cycle would still be discussing that performance. People moved on, though, because it's still Donovan's, you know, he's not earned that yet. But man, I just hope for his sake they get in getting in an Eastern Conference finals and just like, I mean, he dropped 60 in the bubble against Denver, right? Like he was. Ball, he's balled out. He scored 50 twice in playoff games already. Like he's got it in him. I just hope he gets the stage to do it. Cause I mean, I just look at him. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's it's insane. It's I'm crazy. glad you, it's I'm crazy. glad you brought up Kobe's 81 because I did look that statistic up the most yeah. since yes. yeah, the, the most points before this one. And it was when Kobe Bryant uh, just teabagged Jalen Rose for a night. So <laughs> yes. Yeah, I can't stand Jalen Rose. I don't know what it is about him. <laughs> I can't stand him. So, oh man, Mitch, let's jump over to some MLB news. MLB free agency as we're in the middle of the winter. Uh, mm. It continues. Uh, we've got uh, just a few uh, contracts to discuss. One was a contract in the midst of a bunch of drama uh, around Carlos Correa, the former Houston Astros shortstop. Now, a New York Met at one point, a San Francisco giant. Carlos Correa agreed to a 12 year, $315 million contract with the New York Mets. This was back uh, reported on December 21st. Uh, he had previously agreed the week before to an historic 13 year, $350 million contract with the San Francisco giants which tied Bryce Harper for the longest free agent deal in baseball history. But then uh, talks fell apart uh, based on concerns around his physical. I uh, couldn't get approved, had issues with that. The deal in an unprecedented manner falls apart. And then a week later, the Mets come and scoop him right up. They are still dealing with their own issues as far as getting him and this medical thing figured out. Uh, so that is still TBD, but they have said they are committed to waking it work and they're committed to Correa. Uh, one man's trash is another man's treasure. I guess this is, this is just a weird situation, right? I mean, what is this? Well, I think that, see, the Mets aren't committed to $350 million right now. They're not right. Right. If he fails his physical, it that contract is now null and void, but how do you turn away a, a generational player like Carlos Correa? You don't. So you're going to try to make it work. I think that there's a lot of pressure on Carlos Correa's agents trying on the Mets organization, trying to make this work because if he, for some reason, cannot get a second guaranteed deal done because of a failed physical and he goes back out on the open market, he's not getting shit. He's like, done. people are going to yeah. go like, Holy shit, like we can't commit more than four years to this guy. And who knows if he's even going to pass a physical? So, right. like, you can guarantee that Carlos Correa's representation is pushing hard with the New York Mets trying to figure out a way to get this deal done. 
whether you know whatever they whatever they got to do to make him physically getting physically cleared to become a New York Met. Um, I think that this is this speaks less on the Mets and more on Carlos Correa and his representation trying to get this done because they know if they go back in the open market, there's no shot he gets the the uh, contract that he's looking for. No, I mean, how could you pay him? How how could you commit? To him you failed that. physicals, you can't pay him now. You can't <laughs> you do, it. do it. You couldn't do it. It's, do it's it. a crazy turn of events. Now, when I say they're committed, I say that they have come out and said we're committed to making this work as far as working with him on they're the physical. Sure, they're trying but to get it. Done, you are yeah. right that like if he does fail, they'll just back out, and as you said, he'll be left holding the bag. Think you know. <laughs> With nowhere to go. So he may go back to Minnesota on a one year deal and just yeah. say, hey, we'll try again next year, you know, right. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, crazy situation there with Correa. Uh, fascinating stuff. The other contract that we want to discuss, this came down today, uh, reported that the Boston Red Sox are finalizing a team record thir- 11 year. $331 million contract extension with third baseman Rafael Devers. Uh, it is the longest and largest contract ever given out by the franchise this comes after many years of criticism when they refused to hang on to and pay Mookie Betts they did the same thing with Xander Bogarts and it seemed like this was a cheap ownership a cheap organization that wasn't willing to show out for their best talent and they here they are though Raphael Devers that's the guy I don't hate this because he's a great player but i just wonder like where this was when mookie betts wins an mvp and wins you a world series like where was this four years ago because maybe you could have been in contention for the last couple years had you had this mindset at that time like it's great now and good for devers and good for these players in this organization but they could have they they had a window and they missed that window. They were a quick one year blip and that was it, you know. And it just I wonder what could have been had they, uh, you know, been willing to pay the dough to some of these other players. Yeah, I don't know what it was because this is very uncharacteristic of the Boston Red Sox to commit long term to a player like this. They seem like the you know they're, they're definitely the team that is a offers their talent their big stars three to five years, you know, over a hundred million dollars, but they never commit this long to one guy. So this is definitely unprecedented for the Boston Red Sox. Mm -hmm. You actually look at the, the contract history of Rafael Devers over the last three years. He's been an arbitration guy. He actually technically hasn't been under contract. He's been an arbitration guy over the last three years. So, um, which he's been receiving, you know, was a four and a half million the first time around one point or 11.2 the second time around 17.5 the third time around that they probably figured you know what this guy's going to be around for a while we've just paid him 17 and a half million dollars let's just go for broke and lock down a franchise guy pay him 30 mil which is twice what he just made in arbitration last year over the next 11 years and and be a big con be a be a, be a big money team for the first time ever so um, yeah. uncharacteristic of the Red Sox, but I don't hate that move either. But I also am very critical of any contract longer than seven years. So right. I, yeah. I, 
let's I mean, not let's not do the ten, the double digit year commitment here. Guys. Yeah, I'm with you, but it's the price, right? I mean, the precedent has been set. So if you want a star, that's the price they're going to come with. And you, if you want them, sure. you got to meet it. And that's the world we live in now. And so it is surprising to see the Boston Red Sox getting on board. But here they are. Uh, Devers again. Uh, 11 year, $331 million deal, largest and longest deal in Red Sox history. Mitch, the weekly crack and update before we wrap up the news here. Uh, and the boys continuing to play some great hockey 2012 and four on the season, 44 points. That's good for third in the Pacific Division, fifth in the Western Conference. It was announced as well that the Kraken will be hosting the 2024 Winter Classic next year, or yeah, 2024 Winter Classic at T-Mobile Park, the Mariners baseball stadium. That's always played outdoors every year. It's a different location. So it'll be Knights, Vegas versus Seattle on that one. That'll be fun, uh, you know, coming up here. But uh, Kraken playing well, continuing to be in the mix in the playoffs and uh, not faltering after the hot start. And that's what you love to see, honestly, just they've, that they've maintained the, the good play uh, so far. Well, and since our last update, they've actually played better. So like they've, they've actually picked yep. up where off that little plateau that they hit, they've started to climb again. So yeah, that's boys true. continuing to play good hockey. When's that, uh, when's that winter classic again? I believed it. I, I believe it was 2024. I may be mistaken on that. I don't know if that means like, uh, it is the 2024 Winter Classic, but I don't know if that's Christmas of 2024 or like, you know, or if it's like next year. You know what I'm saying? Uh, may, but it is we, the 2024 Winter Classic. That's what I know. We may have to look into that being our first Kraken game. Hey, that would be awesome. A little outdoor hockey I mean, at the baseball stadium. Let's go. Okay. I do. It'd be a say, chili bastard, but you know, it, hey, it would. I've been to a cold Seattle football game, so I'd be prepared. I did. I've been trying to sneak, sneakily make my wife more and more of a Kraken fan. And in her stocking this year for Christmas, she got a pair of very warm, fuzzy Kraken socks, which she oh, loves yeah. because there we go. warm and fuzzy. So here I am. Yeah. I'm like, perfect. Now she's going to wear them a lot. And I got her a, a cool looking Seattle Kraken beanie. So uh, she's rocking them. She's loving them. And I'm like, here we go. She she even told me you might be convincing me to be a Kraken fan. So uh, slowly but surely, Mitch, we're, we're converting. To. We're on a mission. Got to. The official right. podcast of the Seattle Kraken here uh, on this <laughs> hour. Mitch, uh, we've got to wrap up the news, get into the campus tour here. Uh, our look at the world of college football every week on the podcast. And let's start with a recap of the New Year's Six Bowl games, the six biggest bowl games of the season. And let's start with the Orange Bowl, Mitch. Orange Bowl, the orangiest Orange Bowl that ever Orange Bowled. The Tennessee Volunteers and the Clemson Tigers, two orange-colored teams on an orange field playing for an orange uh and uh, it wasn't really that good of a game tennessee number six clemson number seven in the nation tennessee without hendon hooker uh gets it done 31 14 really kind of dominated uh it was 21 to 6 headed into the fourth quarter clemson really didn't put up much of a fight i expected more right klubnik had played well for them. The team had seemingly rallied late in the season. I thought, well, Clemson's kind of playing well. 
Tennessee kind of faltered down the stretch after the injuries that they had. I, I didn't expect this, but Tennessee caps off what was an incredible surprise season with an 11 and two record and a win in the orange bowl over Clemson. Yeah. Um, I think what this spoke volumes to me is that Clemson was overrated the entire year. Mm. They're yeah. overrated. They were DJ. Uyunglele was never going to be the answer. Cade Klubnik did not play well. Um, Will Shipley was, I guess, the only shining, one of the only shining pieces of that offense. Um, All year, he was the only thing that was good about that team. Right. And I and like, <laughs> I don't want to downplay how well Joe Milton played at quarterback for oh, Tennessee. Because yeah. he, he had a great game. He, was, he had a great game, and he's done a great job filling in for Hendon Hooker. He's done a fantastic job. Um, but like Clemson was just overrated the entire year. They're overrated and they had no business being a top 10 team in the country. They, they want, they, they're a a product of playing a lot of weak ACC teams. And then they match up against an SEC matchup. You know, they have an SEC matchup and they get stomped. So, I mean, that's why it wasn't a good game. It was, it had nothing to do with what Tennessee Mm -hmm. did. It was everything about what Clemson didn't do. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, uh, you know, I do think that's it's one thing we see during bowl season. It's a discussion I want to have also about another conference here in a little bit. But perhaps the ACC, you know, we see these teams get ranked because, you know, you look at records and they're, oh, all power five are the same. Well, that's not the case. All power five conferences are not made the same. And we learn that every year in bowl season when these teams actually play each other, uh, you know, at the end of the year. Uh, you, You see, hey, some of these guys aren't really that good when they play other P5 teams. Uh, and yeah, maybe perhaps you're right. Maybe ACC wasn't as good. Clemson wasn't as good as the champ coming out of that uh, conference. And uh, a great Orange Bowl matchup, not a great Orange Bowl game. Uh, but uh, what can you do? Yeah. They can't all be winners. No, you can't. Speaking can't of not being a winner, uh, this game also pretty disappointing in my mind, the Sugar Bowl SEC versus Big 12 in this one. And you had number five, Alabama versus the Big 12 champion, Kansas State, after they upset TCU in the Big 12 championship game. But Alabama took care of business, took care of business in a big way, dominating in this one. 45 to 20. Uh, 21, 10 and a half. Kansas State was you know, trying to hang in there. I'd say they were in the game in that first half, but uh, Alabama really opened it up in the third quarter. And uh, that was, that was it. Bryce young caps off his, uh, his great, great college career with five touchdowns here in this win in Alabama, despite a disappointing season, right? They were national championship expectations as there are every year with Alabama. Disappointing year but a really solid way to cap it off here in the sugar bowl. Oh, I mean, Bryce young, just, I, I remember watching early in that game and I was like, I don't know if Bryce young is a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Ooh. Like I was starting to question my okay. own quarterback. Yeah. I was questioning my own guy down. I was what like, I mean, there was just, there was a lot of missed throws. There was a lot of poor reads. And I was like, man, he just doesn't seem like he's ready. And then all of that just got flushed out the end of the second, going into the third quarter. And I went, oh, yeah, no, Bryce Young fucking kicks ass. And 
Yeah, he is a top 10 pick in the NFL draft because he lit it up for 321 and five. I mean, this guy's just incredible. Um, Jameer Gibbs, um, another guy that I think is going to have um, some draft consideration, probably in the mid rounds, um, put himself together a good game. Um, Kansas State was, again, disappointing. You know, it was it was one of those teams that we had hopes for. I know that you had them as your sleeper Big 12 champion we both did i'm pretty sure and we got it we were they right didn't, they didn't perform in the bowl games i guess yeah. uh will howard was not good deuce vaughn was the only shining piece of that and uh um you know i guess it was just a, a matchup of a really good team against a team that was just really yeah. good in their conference i mean they were outmatched alabama is one of the best rosters in football uh kansas state would have had to play yeah. a almost perfect game right to 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 pull off a win over a team like alabama and they didn't come close to that and that's why uh they got handled in that one uh speaking of big upsets though uh roll tide roll sorry i had to get one last one one last one in one last fair enough fair enough you got it buddy i got i should have let you get that uh the upset though uh maybe not one you wanted uh depending on who you are but uh man this is this was fun the cotton bowl uh a cotton bowl classic and it was a classic in the cotton bowl classic mitch number 16 Tulane versus number 10 usc the group of five representative this year from the american athletic conference the champ Tulane, and they get it done beating the heisman trophy winner caleb williams in usc 46 to 45 in an absolute shootout mayhem crazy game uh it was just that was so much fun to watch so much fun to experience this Tulane team, incredible. I love this for Tulane, Mitch, because the American Athletic Conference is going to have a power vacuum. Cincinnati's gone. Houston's gone. UCF's gone. They're off to the Big 12. Who wants to be the best group of five program, right? Who wants to be the next program knocking on the door of the power five when conference expansion comes back up as it inevitably will. Who wants to fill that void? Well, Tulane's making a hell of a case for it this year. They were dominant while those teams were in this conference, right? Winning it this season, the American, and then winning the Cotton Bowl. I love what this does for them moving forward. Located there in New Orleans, great location, great place to recruit. Uh, There's a lot of makings there that Tulane could really grow into a legitimate group of five powerhouse there in the AAC. And what a way to cap it off against USC. I was a Tulane believer in the regular season. I was excited to see him in the top 25. Mm -hmm. I believed that I believed in them months ago. And here they are upsetting USC in the cotton bowl. Big, big win for not just Tulane, but the group of fives as a whole that we can go take it to a powerhouse organization like USC and actually win in a new year six bowl and get this job done. Huge win for Tulane. Uh, Ty J Spears. Keep him my, uh, watch this kid. Just keep your eye on this kid. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of talent. This kid has 17 for two Oh five and four tutties in this cotton bowl. Just keep your eye on this kid. Kids talented kids talented. No doubt. It, that was, uh, I mean, a great performance. And, you know, I do think it's fitting that USC season ends in this manner because uh, I said this back in like week two or three, uh, that the defense was going to come back and bite them. The defense was going to come back and bite this USC team 
it was evident all year long that they were just never going to be able to have enough firepower all the time to to stave off enough teams. And it bit them in the Pac-12 championship game against Utah, right? Caleb Williams is injured, but that offense, that defense wasn't doing anything to stop Utah. Even if he was helped, mm. they probably don't win that game. And then they give up 46 to Tulane. And if you're USC, you're going to the Big Ten, you think you're hot shots, college football playoff team, you better be able to stop Tulane from scoring 46 points and win a freaking game when your offense puts up 45. Like, you have to be able to do that. And USC failed. Uh, that is a huge failure for them. Uh, we'll see how they react to that, what the adjustment is this offseason, how much talent they go after in the portal and whatnot. But uh, it was evident that the defense was going to be the fault for USC this year and fitting that uh, that's how it ended for them in this Cotton Bowl. Yeah, 100%. Mitch, the Rose Bowl, uh, Penn State in Utah, Big Ten versus Pac-12. Penn State taking care of business against number eight, Utah. The number 11, Nittany Lions, uh, 35-21 over the Utes. Kim Rising goes out in the third quarter, but, uh, I mean, this game was in control of Penn State before that point, and they didn't relinquish that control after that, uh, cruising to this win uh, late you know, into that game and disappointing for Utah who goes to back-to-back Rose Bowls and can't get it done against Ohio State and Penn State respectively, especially considering how well they competed with a very good Ohio State team last year, almost takes down that Ohio State team last year. Then they get back to the Rose Bowl and they fall short, very short against Penn State. They also sort of backed their way into the Pac-12 championship game to begin with because of Oregon's failure to win. So it's like a weird thing for this Utah team that was like really good, then not very good, then kind of good again. And now it's like, Oh, what, what was it all anyways? I don't know, but uh, an impressive win for Penn state. I think Penn state, you know, they looked pretty solid. I don't know. I didn't have much take away from this one. Yeah. At what point did we stop thinking Penn state's a bunch of phonies? At what point? Because like, ever, and I'm calling you out on this. Phony. Sean Clifford is a phony. Their defense is super talented. They always have a running back to like, you know, do, do stuff in the big 10. They're, you know, they're not. Dallin, Dallin, stop making excuses. He went 279 and two against Utah's defense, which has been a great defense all year long. And it, that was look, also missing their best cornerback. Cause he's declared for the draft. And if you watch that game, Mitch, that defense was not good. They were getting toasted left and right. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, Sean Clifford had a great game. He had a great game. Yeah, the defense wasn't good, and they're getting toasted left and right because Sean Clifford had a good game. He had a good game. 60 for 22, 279-2. When are you going to stop game. shitting on Sean Clifford? Like, Never. I don't, he's got dumb look, I don't think he's like an NFL caliber quarterback, but I think you need to give the guy a little respect here. No, this is – I don't know why I decided that he was the guy I hate, but it is. I just – I don't know. You could have picked anyone. You picked Sean Clifford. Yeah, I, I did. feel like it's – it's just, I feel like that's disingenuous to Sean Clifford. Well, I don't know him personally. I'm sure he's a great guy. Uh, <laughs> congrats on the Rose Bowl win, Sean Clifford. Uh, good uh, luck in the NFL. He's going to so. pursue it. But uh, yeah, Penn State, it was a disappointing Rose Bowl. You know, last year's game was incredible. One of the best bowl games ever, honestly. I mean, that game between Utah and Ohio State was, uh, you can't top it. Uh, they certainly weren't going to this year, but you know, not a great game. Uh, here, 35-21, Penn State gets it done. College football playoff, Mitch, Fiesta Bowl, number three, TCU, and number two, Michigan State. And 
The horn dogs did it, Mitch. The horn dogs have done it. Uh, they, they, we've, we, we've been supporting. We've been on the team, and here they are. Uh, I even got this for our background. Look at this. I'm taking us away so the viewers can, can see. Uh, oh wait, now I gotta put you back. But you can kind of see it back here. Uh, the um, There you go. The Hypno Toad Incredible. Um, TCU. Incredible story all year. Not expected to do anything. And they're finding themselves in the national championship game after defeating Michigan. Uh, I, I want to talk about TCU, but first let's talk Michigan briefly, Mitch, because this is back-to-back -back years where Jim Harbaugh and Michigan, they finally cracked you know the formula they beat ohio state they win the big 10 last year they get to the playoff and they disappointed and they lost and it wasn't really competitive right and it's like all right you know you but you you broke the glass ceiling right you made it to the big 10 you won the big 10 you made it to the playoff that's good okay well here they go again this year and they were undefeated and it was like all right michigan really good and then you lose to tcu and it's like, wow, what was all of this about? It, I don't, I don't think Michigan fans should be too disappointed by this. You made the playoff back to back years. You're back to back no. Big Ten champions. Great, great like performances. But ultimately, it does feel like Michigan is a tear down from all of these legitimate playoff contenders year in year out even though they're making it at this point, because even when they've made it, like besides this game, which was competitive, last year's game was not. This one, what, 51-45. Uh, so they were, you know, in this. And J.J. McCarthy with another year experience, perhaps next year really is the year. But it does feel like this is becoming a disappointing trend, uh, losing in disappointing fashion back-to-back -back years in the playoff. I feel like... <sighs> So are, when you say a tier down, are you saying Michigan is like a tier below the Ohio States, Alabama's, Georgia, uh, Georgia's, those level of, yeah. and then, and then out, you know, Michigan's in the next tier, I guess. Right. Say. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I can get I behind what, that. I, yeah. What I yeah. think, what I think the deal is though, is that TCU was really, really underappreciated of how good of a football team this is. And I, we talked at, at, at almost at nauseum at sometimes how good Max Duggan is. And we love Max Duggan. Max Duggan's the man. Well, he is the man. He is the man. And TCU is a really, really good program. And they're they're They have a really good football team. And for people to say that it was a shock that they beat Michigan to me, it's not because this is a really, really good football team. And Michigan Though very, very well built and very, very well coached, TCU was the better football team in this situation. They were the better team. You look at the first half, I mean, an onslaught. Absolutely kicked the shit out of Michigan for a half of football. Why should I believe that TCU is not a better team than Michigan when after all of the resumes that have been built up throughout the course of the year, then we put him in a half of football together and we see the dominance that TCU put up on Michigan. There is no reason in my mind that may should make me to believe that TCU was not as good as Michigan and that this is somehow a fluke. TCU is the better team. The better team won this game. And I'm writing TCU 
I, I'm riding them for the long haul. I'm riding oh, yeah. them for the long haul here. Have to. Have to. I mean, it's the horn dogs. What, what else are we going to do? You know? And you're well, a I Bama can't just fan. be that not, high on TCU and then not pick, you know, for not Georgia. pick them to win the national title. I have to pick them now. I'm all in. Gig them frogs. I love Gig it. frogs. We're, we're both in on TCU winning this national title, Mitch, because this team no, is not. legit. I am. Are you? I am. I feel like I'm you, taking you, TCU you over Georgia. Georgia I'm a Georgia guy? No. You strike, you strike me as a Georgia guy. I don't know. <laughs> You're, you're an Alabama Sorry. fan, Mitch. You're just like anyone who's not with us is against us. That's right. <laughs> and you, I can guarantee you every Alabama fan in the world right now is riding on TCU. We're all as they TCU. should. I would never, I wouldn't expect anything less, but th- as you said, this TCU team is legit. I think uh, I, I I'm working on something for the website on this topic, Mitch, but the TCU success this season has saved the big 12 conference Mm. TCU making this national championship game, whether they win it or not has saved the big 12 conference because any question about their legitimacy, any question about the quality of talent in this conference, once Texas and Oklahoma depart for the sec can be answered simply by saying the past two years have had two teams in the college football playoff from this conference. Cincinnati and TCU. Pac-12 doesn't have any, you know, any any college football playoff teams the last couple of years. How many times has the ACC been there outside of Clemson, right? I mean, you look at all these other conferences. Big 12 has a very strong argument now. And coming into this new era of this conference, the fact that TCU was able to have this kind of success, huge, huge for the conference. Huge for the future of the Big Twelve, uh, and I'm excited to see uh, what it what it propels them to do moving forward. Uh, there's so much talent in this conference. TCU is not the only great team. Uh, this is it's going to be a fun new era in the Big Twelve, and you love to see them having this success. I love it, and I can't wait to read that. Make sure you get on the Sports Hour Guys WordPress. You know, or yeah, Sports Hour Guys WordPress and check out when that comes up because. That's such a great point. Like the the Big Twelve didn't really have much to get all that excited about over the last couple of years, and now TCU comes along and they are legitimately a top two team in the country right now. They may not be seated that way, but they're playing in a game that says that you are the two best teams in the country right now. Um, you're you're absolutely right. They they may have saved. Why did I say it like a saved? They may have saved. Big 12 football. Kind of sound like Forrest Gump. God I bless might, Texas I Christian might University. Be stupid, but I know what love is, Jen A. <laughs> Go Horn Frogs. Oh, Mitch. Uh, we do have to talk about the other game in the college football playoff, Georgia and Ohio State. Another great game. You know, there's so much talk about how these semifinal games in the playoff era have just been garbage you know, double digit, multi touchdown blowouts for the most part. And that's what. It's history has shown us it's what it's been, but man, this year we got treated. Uh, Georgia holds on to beat Ohio State 42 to 41 in this game. Great showing by Ohio State, CJ Stroud. Marvin Harrison Jr. goes down in this game, Mitch. And honestly, if he doesn't, Ohio State might win this one. Like Harrison Jr., I mean, one, he is just incredible, but he was unstoppable in this game. And so you wonder like what this looks like, but either way. Georgia pulls it out. 
Good on them. It is hard to repeat. It's hard to even get back to the national championship game. The fact that they survived this test. I mean, if you're a Georgia fan, like you're feeling good. You survived a huge test to get back to the national championship game. And you've got the experience headed into this matchup on Monday. So I thought it a very impressive win for the Bulldogs. An impressive comeback. I wouldn't say an impressive mm-hmm. win. I mean, we. I think I thought that this game was going to be tight with Ohio State. So I think the fact that they pulled it out and won is okay. Like I, I expected this game to be tight. I didn't expect the comeback though. So like, yeah, good, good on Georgia. I'm, I'm a little bitter. I don't like Georgia. Can't be too nice. I know. I know. I like Bulldogs. I like Bulldogs, but I want to punt Uga. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm an animal lover. An elephant would just, you know, you guys would be elephants. You guys would just, I mean, you would, right? I mean, you wouldn't even notice. Squish him like a bug. Squish him like a bug. Like, what was that? A pebble? Yeah. Yeah. No, we just like, oh, what was that? Okay, moving on. (laughs) Sorry. I'm just, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't with this Georgia stuff. I can't. I can't with the hype either. Can't with the hype. I saw our poll. We put our poll up on. Yep. Go follow us on Instagram, the Sports Hour guys. We put our poll up, and I saw all those votes for for Georgia too. Which, by the way, TCU is winning that poll last time I checked. Yes. So, um, yep. but all those votes for Georgia, I just can't take them. I mean, the the fact that you're just buying into the fact that they're the defending national champions, so therefore they must be the favorite going into this. Um, I I can't I can't buy into Not that so one fast. bit. Not so fast. Yeah. Not I mean- so. F- as the great Lee Corso would say, not yeah, so not fast, my so friend. Fa- Listen, as we mentioned earlier, and we'll get to this now, the national championship preview, uh, we're both rolling with TCU. Uh, they are the team of the moment. Yeah. They are the the hot team. Uh, they seem destined to pull this thing off. And the greatest thing that happened to them, Mitch, the greatest thing that happened to TCU was losing in the Big 12 championship game. The greatest yes. thing that happened to them this year was losing that game because of all yeah. the extra motivation it gave them heading into the playoff because you've lost that game now and you were so close to missing out and then you did it. And now it's like, all right, now there's no messing around. We are in this thing for the long haul. And I mean, hey, the gritty performance in the semifinal against Michigan proved it. They're going to bring it in the national championship on Mon- Monday and the Horn Dogs are getting it done. I cannot wait, Mitch. I can't wait. I I can't wait for this game either, dude. I can't wait for this game. I'm so excited to watch this football game. This might be the most excited I've been to watch a football game since last year's AFC Championship game. Cool. I think that's like like okay. this is like this is the most excited I've ever been. Like this is Woo! I yeah, cannot wait. I mean, cannot listen, wait. we've been doing the campus tour heavy all year, college football, the most we've ever done on the podcast this year. So, I mean, yeah, I feel more invested into the college football this year than I ever have been. So I'm, I'm right there with you. We've been writing the, this journey all year long, and it'll end on Monday night at SoFi Stadium, Georgia TCU. Uh, we look forward to that. Mitch, continuing on to the campus tour, got to do a quick transfer portal update. Uh, we've discussed a lot of the QB names in the portal few new names, and then we'll get into some of the destinations uh, for these quarterbacks. Two new names, though. Sam Hartman, the Wake Forest quarterback, would have been a mid-round projection had he gone to the NFL, but decides to return to school and enter the transfer portal. Now, it was reported by Pete Thamel of ESPN that he's expected to transfer to Notre Dame, although that has not been made official yet. So, expected to transfer to Notre Dame, Sam Hartman, one of the most talented players in the transfer portal 
period, regardless of position, but certainly at the quarterback position, would be a huge pickup for anybody, especially the Fighting Irish, to get him. The other name entering the portal since we last talked, Tanner Mordecai, the SMU quarterback, former Mustang, and he just headed to the Power 5 ranks, announced his commitment very shortly after his uh, entrance into the portal, announced he is joining Luke Fickle in Wisconsin. So a big addition there in the Big Ten as Luke Fickle brings the gunslinger from Texas up north to Wisconsin. Uh, thoughts on these two real quick. I think Mordecai's a great fit. Love that for Luke Fickle in Wisconsin. Think that's a great addition there. Uh, and I think Hartman and Notre Dame would be fantastic. I really do think Hartman is a talent anyone's going to win with. Uh, would be fantastic there uh, in South Bend. I love both these fits. Hartman to Notre Dame is, I mean, that just seems perfect. It just seems like best case scenario for Sam Hartman, best case scenario for Notre Dame to bring in a a very talented quarterback uh, into that program. Um, and then Tanner Mordecai, I feel like was just never getting the exposure that he got, that he could have got at SMU. And now he's finally going to get it at Wisconsin. He's going to be playing under a great head coach in Luke Fickle. Um, I think they're actually going to, he's going to be able to pre- protect himself a little bit more because Wisconsin's scheme traditionally is a little bit more 50 50, a little bit more balanced, maybe run balanced in that sense. So, um, you know, he's going to be able to protect himself a little bit more, but showcase that arm that he has because golly, is he a really great quarterback? And we saw that at SMU over the last couple of years. So um, I love the, I love the fit both for Hartman and Tanner Mordecai um, at, at Notre Dame and Wisconsin respectively. Yeah. Uh, I think those are really good spots. And again, we're, we're waiting a official announcement on the Hartman, but uh, reported by Pete Thamel of ESPN that he is expected to transfer to Notre Dame. Right. I, I was talking about it like it's a done. No, deal. you're it's good. Done yeah, yeah. Yeah. I but, mean, it, it seemed, it's yeah. seemingly a done deal, but again, not official. We'll wait, I guess, to see on that. Uh, some official destinations though, for guys we've mentioned previously, DJ Uyunga Lale, the former Clemson quarterback headed to Oregon State. Uh, he will be the new quarterback for the Beavers there uh, up in the Northwest. Uh, Hudson Card, the former Texas quarterback, headed to Purdue, replacing Aiden O'Connell there for the boil ma- Boilermakers. Grayson McCall, uh, this is not official, but it is being reported that Grayson McCall, the Coastal Carolina quarterback, will be returning to Conway uh, sticking with the Chanticleers for a final season, uh, reportedly exiting the transfer portal. He played in the bowl game against East Carolina, suffered an injury in that game. Uh, so that's not been official, hasn't been announced by him or the school yet, uh, but reported that he is potentially exiting the portal, will return to Coastal Carolina. And BYU, Mitch, acquiring the services of Keaton Slovis, former USC quarterback, former Pitt quarterback from this past year. Uh, entered the portals, a grad transfer will play out his final season in Provo with the Cougars. So uh, those are some of the notable ones that we've missed. Any thoughts on, uh, on any of those specific players and their new destinations? I don't even know. Like Keaton Slovis's co- collegiate career is a wild one, right? <laughs> with all the places that he's been. Uh, finally, we have a place that we can say, oh, he's a BYU grad. Yeah, he, the, the quarterback out of BYU. We don't have to like... <laughs> Talk about where all that he's been over the last, you know, four years. Um, I like the fit in BYU for him, though. 
Um, DJ Uyunglele, um, I mean, all these fits I like. All these fits I like. And I know Grayson McCall probably exiting the portal because of the injury. Um, and it's probably going to make him a lot harder to go to somewhere else. Uh, but he had Coastal Carolina heading in the right direction there. So I think that um, it's probably a smart call for him to go back and and finish his career at Coastal Carolina and just continue to build his resume going into next year's NFL draft. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see him in another situation, but Jimmy Chatwell is gone, right? His head coach is headed to Liberty. So he will be working with a new play caller, a new head coach, and that gives him the opportunity to diversify his game uh, in a way that appeals to the NFL, like what he would have been looking for in a new destination. So perhaps it's a better fit now to return, as you mentioned, post-injury than maybe it was before. Uh, We'll certainly see where that stands. Uh, To wrap up, Mitch, we've got our player to know before the NFL draft this last thing on the campus tour today uh, mentioning players up until the NFL draft in April guys that you need to be paying attention to and the names that we've heard so far, starting with last time, Peter Skaronsky, the tackle from Northwestern Jalen Carter, defensive lineman, Georgia will Levis quarterback, Kentucky Tyree Wilson edge, Texas tech, Quinton Johnston, wide receiver, TCU, Hendon Hooker, quarterback, Tennessee, Michael Mayer, uh, tight end, Notre Dame, Joey Porter, junior, cornerback, Penn State, Drew Sanders, linebacker, Arkansas, B. John Robinson, the running back from Texas, Jordan Addison, the wide receiver from USC, and Bryce Young, the quarterback from Alabama. And this week on the player to know before the NFL draft, another quarterback, our fourth quarterback, and won't be our last Got one more name I'm saving to talk about. I am intrigued to watch a little more about before I give an evaluation. But this week's entry is a quarterback who just played in the college football semifinal, a valiant performance in the loss to Georgia. But it's C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback, uh, will be entering the draft, will be one of the top quarterbacks selected, maybe number two, maybe number three. Depends on who you talk to right now. A lot of love for Will Levis still. And Stroud was a guy that people were fading throughout this college football season. And a lot of the critiques with CJ Stroud are he's kind of robotic pocket passer. Doesn't really show the creativity on the move and the Ohio state offense, as we've seen for a number of years, makes it so easy and so simple for quarterbacks that that transition to the NFL, the translation from that offense to an NFL offense Mm -hmm. is oftentimes very difficult. And we don't see those guys reach their full potential, right? Dwayne Haskins, uh, JT Barrett back, and then you you go back even farther. Uh, Justin Fields is a different cat. He's extremely athletic. Uh, He's still TBD in that regard. But there is a stigma about Ohio State and their quarterbacks. But what I like about C.J. Stroud, I think he showed in that semifinal game, Mitch. This was by far his best game of the season, and it came on the biggest stage. It came when his team needed it the most. He had his best game of the year. He had been a guy all year. Under pressure, he had been horrific. He had a 38 PFF grade under pressure this season. He was awful. In this game against Georgia, he had an 88 PFF grade under pressure. He was excellent under pressure. He was making moves on the run. He even scrambled. He showed a bit of that athleticism. He's not the most athletic guy. He's 6'3", 230. He's, he's a big guy. He's, he's not easy to take down. He, he can move, but he's not, you know, an uber athlete by any means. 
but he showed a little bit of that in this game, showed you what he could do on the next level. And what he does give you right now is a, a smart player who knows how to play the quarterback position, puts the ball in the right place, extremely accurate. He doesn't have a lot of physical outlier strengths compared to his peers in this group. Doesn't have the biggest arm, isn't the fastest, right? Doesn't have the biggest zip, but he does a lot of things really, really well. He does very few things very poorly. And I think he has room to grow. I think his physical profile is being overlooked when you compare him to Anthony Richardson and you compare him to Will Levis. I don't think it's fair. I think he can hold his own when it comes to the physical side of things. We just haven't seen it yet. CJ Stroud, I'm very high on Mitch. CJ Stroud is my quarterback too. I think he's a top five pick. I think he's a top 10 lock. That's how I feel about CJ Stroud. And I think the conversation will come around on him. I think as we get closer to the draft, the conversation will come around on him. Uh, I've seen people even fade him into like the late 20s of the first round. Like he's going in the top half of the first round. He's going top 10. I think that's pretty safe at this point. I feel pretty confident in that. That's why I felt like it was time, especially coming off of that semifinal performance that we mentioned him here. Player to know before the NFL draft this week, it's CJ Stroud, the quarterback from Ohio State. You know, I was just thinking about what would be a great fit in the draft for him. And there is a specific team that will be looking for a head coach. If they bring in a specific head coach that we discussed earlier in this podcast, would be a great fit. They already have young pieces like Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, Quentin Nelson, hmm. the Indianapolis Colts. If they brought in C.J. Stroud and Jim Harbaugh at the same time, you give Jim okay. Harbaugh the quarterback he can work with, the quarterback that he can make a project out of, going, hey, you do a lot of things really, really well, but here are the things we're going to work on. But don't worry, because we got young pieces around you that are starting to become established, that we can build with, and we can build a winner with. I love the fit in Indianapolis with C.J. Stroud. He'd only have to go a state over. Right. Not bad. Get, if they bring in Jim Harbaugh, that's a great coaching fit for him. He has the running back in the offensive line, a big, a, a big target, a wide receiver to throw to. That seems like a great fit for me. If we're going to talk about NFL draft, but CJ Stroud, yes, obviously a, a very talented guy, things to work on. Um, but absolutely a top 15, top 10 top uh, type of guy in this coming draft. Yeah. I like Stroud a lot. My favorite comp and I, and I will have in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm working on my, uh, some NFL quarterback comps for some of these top quarterback prospects, but uh, my comp for CJ Stroud and, and who I, who he reminds me of in the NFL is Dak Prescott. Uh, very similar mm. build, very similar play style. I mean, Dak is athletic, but it's not like he's on the move all the time, scrambling, making moves. He's very much, he wants to be in the pocket and he wants to make the pass, right? He wants to make the right read. And, at, you know, almost at his behest, will he make moves with his legs when he needs to? And, and Stroud almost has that in a way, but I think Stroud has the capabilities of becoming a quarterback at that level in the NFL. And that is worthy for sure of, Top five, top 10 consideration uh, come April. So absolutely. Mitch, that absolutely. is going to do it for the campus tour. And that's going to do it for the first half of the podcast. We'll take a quick break and hit the mid roll. On the other side, we've got our uh, a little draft and a little back and forth draft between Mitch and myself, as well as our week 17 recap and our quick picks 
for the NFL week uh, week 18. So stick around and we'll be right back. Thanks for checking out the Sports Hour today. We appreciate you wherever you're listening. But if you haven't already, we recommend you check us out and give us a listen on Anchor. Anchor allows us to provide the best product to you. You can go support the Sports Hour and become a permanent part of the show, like my saint of a mother, Sammy, and my father, David, did. You can even leave us voice messages with your thoughts and opinions that we can use on the show. Prove to us that you know better than me and Mitchmo. Moral of the story, people, be more like Sammy and David. Go find us at anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys and become a part of the conversation. What the hell are you waiting for? Welcome back. It is such a quick break, guys. Just a just a teeny little break there. Uh, but it's good to be back. We've got a lot jam-packed second half for you. Uh, so we won't waste too much time and get back into it. If you are watching live, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, say hello in the chat. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching on Twitter, we can see that. So leave a comment. Let us know uh, your thoughts. Let us know who you're picking in the national championship game between the TCU Horned Frogs and the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, or, uh, you know, if you're like, you know, if you hate Georgia, you just want to say that, make Mitch feel better, you can comment that. I mean, can I'd appreciate us, that. You can tell us anything you want. Yeah. You can tell us what you get for Christmas, New Year's resolution. Oh, yeah. You big, we've talked about this before, Mitch, but are you like a big new year's resolution guy? You not like really what's, what's your, uh, what, how, what's, what's your deal on that? I got a few this year. I got okay. a few this year. I'm going to be better at Spanish. Si, senor. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to well, work on my Spanish and I'm going to get down. Solo Espanol in este podcast. Oh, well, and I don't know if I could do it. I well, see, and here's the thing is I can understand Spanish. I can't speak it. So like, no, I don't know if I can do a <laughs> podcast all in Spanish. I don't think I maybe could by either, the end honestly. of the year. Well, maybe, maybe by the end of the year, we'll see. We got to um, do a and, special Spanish 10 minute mini. that's what we can handle. How about that? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we'll do our quick picks in Spanish. How about that? Ooh. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like that. El pics rápido. Um, and then I want to get down to 240. I want to get down oh, to 240. Nice. So that'd be dropping about 35 pounds. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, boy, yeah, boy does not look good in a bikini. Let's Ooh. put it that way. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, Mitch, I am. Uh, You've looked better. I'm, I'm kind of thinking the same thing because unfortunately with the way these quick picks are going and we'll, we'll be getting to that at the end of the podcast, but uh, it doesn't look like I'm winning. I'm not, I'm nowhere close to winning unless some miracle happens this week. I'm not winning, which means you're starting I, an OnlyFans. I may or may not have to start an OnlyFans. So I guess I got to look good or figure out what I'm selling on. Well, there, it's so. never, it's just a feet OnlyFans. Like that's all you have to do. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Well, I got some ugly ass feet, but. Stay tuned for but, that, I guess, folks. See, the uh, joke's on the joke's on the loser, though, because what if you start actually making money on it? Like, ooh. if people like to pay for pictures right. of your feet, then I'm I'm, I'm jokes on you. I, I I get money now. Yeah, I guess. So, are you really the loser? I guess not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, the real losers, Mitch. 
the real losers are the people on the internet paying money for pictures of men's feet. That's the real That's, losers. Yeah. Pretty, pretty right on that one. But. <laughs> well, no way to transition anyway. from that. So we're going to just jump right into our draft for the right week. Let's go. Let's, let's go. Yeah. Uh, bitch. We've we've had fun doing these drafts back and forth. Uh, we did Christmas movies, right, for our Christmas special uh, last episode. Uh, this week, in honor of the national championship game between TCU and Georgia this week, Mitch and I are going to do a draft of the best national championship football teams since the year 2000. So we'll go back and forth, pick our top five of the best national champions from the past 20 or so years, have a little discussion, have a little debate. Should be a good time. There are so many going through the research, going through the names, so many great teams over the years, so many special programs and, and, and national champions that I'm very curious how this will go back and forth here, but uh, I'm ready to jump into this. If you are. Yeah. I, I am ready too. Um, so you had the first overall pick last time. Do we flip for him or should I we'll go? flip? I'll, I'll let you just take it. I think it's only fair. We alternate here. We'll go snake draft as we always do, okay. but Mitch can get the first overall pick here. So a lot of pressure because I get back to back here. So you got to go strong with number one, the best national title football team uh, since 2000. Mitch, where are you going? I mean, I think there's oh, like wait. a clear... Wait, okay, but I hate to cut you off, but we got this little sound for this moment. So I want oh, you to right. know oh, I'm ready yeah, for this. Yeah, when go. you want it, you cue me. And we got a little special little ding, a little jingle to throw into this. Okay, well, I've been uh, overlooking this, but I think there's a clear 101. So um, I think down the, the pick is in. That's right. Uh, first overall pick of... The national champs since 2000 draft. Team Mitch selects the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. Ooh, I love it. And I kind of knew you were going Miami, and I don't blame you for it, but tell the people why. Tell the I people mean, why they got to so be number one. 12 and 0. This was the Larry, the first year of Larry Coker. 12 and 0. I mean, let me just name off some of the guys. So Ken Dorsey, who we all know as an offensive coordinator now, was a good college quarterback. Uh, on their offense, Andre Johnson, Bryant McKinney, Brett Romberg, Jeremy Shockey, Kellen Winslow was their third string tight end. Um, Roscoe Parrish was like seventh on their depth chart as far as wide receiver goes. But here's the, here's the, the running back room is what's really insane about this. Clinton Portis was the lead back. Then Willis McGahey, Frank Gore was the third string running back on, on that team. Then let's go to the defense. Philip Buchanan, Mike Rumpf on the outside playing cornerback. Um, Antro Roll was a third string cornerback. Vince Wilfork was a backup defensive tackle. Um, Sean Taylor was a backup free safety on this team. Like, the talent stacked on this team was unbelievable. 12 and 0. Not, I mean, this was this was by far the bet, in my mind at least, the greatest college football team ever assembled. Um the 2001 Miami Hurricanes have to be the first overall pick. 
Yeah, I mean, again, I do not blame you for going this direction here with with the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. I mean, just absolutely loaded with NFL talent on offense and on defense, capped off a a great season. And that was a good era of college football. There were a lot of good teams at that time, and for them to be as dominant as they were. Jim Trestle, Ohio State teams, and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. So love that pick for you at the 101, Mitch. I am up with my first overall pick in this draft here uh, and hotly debated. Couple options here for me. A lot of teams I like, but uh, I think we're ready to do this thing. Number one overall, we're going 2019 LSU. Don't blame me one bit. Don't blame Joe you one bit. Burr with the greatest season we've seen from a college football player ever. In my opinion, the greatest individual season of all time, Joe Burrow in 2019. That season was incredible. That team was incredible. 15 and 0, number one offense, uh, and the defense that was like good. 32nd in points allowed. They weren't dominant, dominant. It was just that that offense was unstoppable. And I mean, in retrospect, the fact that they had Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson on the same team, catching passes at the same time, both, by the way, had over 1,500 receiving yards that year. Uh, I mean, in the defensive talent stacked Derek Stingley, Patrick Queen. I mean, we know the names. This is a recent team, but I mean, I know it's, again, I know it's a recent team, but uh, this 2019 LSU team, legendary, legendary. I mean, yeah, that has to be, that was going to be my next pick if I had two picks in a row. It was going to be 2019 LSU. I mean, there's other considerations, but man, the talent they had on the team and just the year that Joe Burrow had was like enough to put that team right up towards the top as one of the greatest national champions we've ever had. So great pick. Yeah. Great pick well, at the 102. I'm glad I took it knowing that you were going to go there because, uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's it's an easy one. Uh, my second one here, Mitch, this one I had to debate about a bit, but this is I have to walk away with this team on my list, and I can't guarantee it's going to come back to me. So I got to go. Uh, I got to go here. Second overall pick, I'm going 2000. For oh, USC, you bitch, you son of a bitch! This God damn it! Is my team, Mitch? This is my childhood team. I was—I didn't really grow up a college football fan, right? NFL, NBA, MLB, heavy. There was a time in my life where I was a college football fan, and it was like 2003 to 2006, and it was the heyday of USC football because my dad was a USC football fan, and USC football was everything. And that 2014 with Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush and Lendell White and Dwayne Jarrett, and I mean, just all these guys. Steve Smith. Steve, the USC Steve Smith. I mean, it was an incredible time, and that national championship team, 13-0. and Number six offense, number three defense. I mean, you're this, for, I mean, this dude, I, you're forgetting my favorite player on that entire team. Linebacker Lofa Tatupu. There you go. Was my favorite player on right. that entire team. He was fantastic. Oh my God. Incredible. 
they were incredible. And again, like this was so emblematic of my childhood. And when I think of college football growing up, this is what I think of is like 2004, 2005 USC, this era of USC is everything for me. I could take them number one overall, but I'll take them number two here. 2004 USC. That's my number two pick. Ugh. Dude, I mean, that was going to be my next pick. That's why I was so mad about well, that. Well, I picked I mean, well then. All right. I was That's like, I was starting to get tough. But honestly, I have to go back and redo my Google search now because um, I was getting ready to just to pull up the litany of names on that team. <laughs> and I was like so ready. I was like, there's no way he goes 2004. But my dumb ass goes, oh, yeah, I apparently am not best friends with Dallin Graff. Of course, he's going to go 2004 <laughs> USC. Um, Should have known. Look, okay, so some good ones. There's a lot of good ones left. We're only three deep. There is a good one, and I'm going to go recent also. Okay. I'm going to go recent also. Um, even more recent than your first overall pick. Um, okay. Do we need the jingle? I think yeah. The pick is in. The pick is in. So with the second pick of this draft for us, we're going to go with the 2020 Alabama Crimson Tide. Hmm. Big shock here that Mitch goes Alabama second overall. I knew one or multiple Alabamas would be on this list. Well, I mean, there's, there's still an Alabama team I'm looking at. I'm not going to lie, but I had to take the 2020 team was really, really solid. I mean, just a fantastic group of, um, of individuals. Um, we talked about you know Bryce Young being there as a freshman. Mac Jones was actually the starter in on that team. Brian Robinson was still there. Um, Cameron Latu was a sophomore there. It, there was just a there was a lot of really really good talent. The Heisman winner Devonta Smith was a part of that team along yep. with Jalen Waddle, uh, John Mechie. Um, there was the, the offense was so dynamic through the air game that it was uh it just makes it really hard not to pick this team um i had to go i had to get one of my alabama teams in there and I, i'm gonna start with the 2020 team i like it yeah i mean that that special season by Devonte smith i think is the highlight of that team to me right that offense was great mac jones 100%. extremely efficient that year but winning the heisman as a wide receiver in 2020 right in the world that we live in around quarterbacks is extremely impressive. So love that pick, Mitch, where are you going back to back picks here? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. You know what? I think I'm going to go big 10 here. I'm going big 12. Sorry. Uh, the, the pick is in. The pick is in. The pick is sure. in. Okay. We are going to go with the 2005 Texas Longhorns. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I mean, the the team led by Mac Brown, uh, Gene Chizik was a, was a defensive coordinator on that team. Um, this was... A, a, I believe this was the the last Vince Young year. Mm-hmm. Am I right? He was drafted yep. in 06. So. I, or maybe that second to last, but it was his Heisman year. That was his best. It was his Heisman year. Right, because yeah. Colt McCoy was a freshman in 05. So, I think so. Um, yeah. 
I mean, just a, a super talented team. Lima Swede, one of my favorite college football names of all time, is on this roster. Um, so, I mean, it's just a, a, a very special group of, of players. And I always love a, a, a Mac Brown-led team. And so um, a team that really was one of those or it was, was really one of those programs that competed with the powerhouse of USC in the mid two thousands. Right. That was, there was really only two, right. There was USC and Texas. And mm-hmm. when they were clashing, it was, it was, it was time to throw down. So um, the Oh five Longhorns are going to get um, to be, are, are going to be my third pick in this draft. Yeah. That's, that's such a good one. I mean, Vince young, Jamal Charles, uh, and then capping it off with, an all-time bowl game against USC in the Rose Bowl to win the national championship. I mean, that game itself to cap off that special season for Texas and Vince Young broke my heart as a kid. But I remember even just sitting there being like, that was incredible. And I'm so sad. You know, like it was uh, even in the moment, it was the one of the most incredible things I'd ever watched, uh, despite being on the losing end of that. So uh, I wasn't going to pick them because of my ill feelings, but I'm glad they made the list because they certainly deserve it. Uh, My third pick, my first two picks started off with uh, 2019 LSU and 2004 USC. I'm going to jump and go 2008 Florida. Mm, 2008 Florida is my next entry on here. 13 and one. BCS champs over Oklahoma. This is Tim Tebow. This is this is Tebow time. This is Urban Meyer. This is Tim Tebow. This is murderers catching passes. This is uh, incredibly deep defense. Oh, I mean, this geez. is you had to bring up the murder. It oh, is no. it is everything. It is Florida. Percy Harvin. They averaged fifty points a game. This Florida Joe, team, Joe Hayden was on that team. Brandon Spikes was on that team. Yeah, that that Florida team is one of the best teams of this past couple of decades. One of the best of that decade. Uh, you know, you just when you think of college football, that's one of those Tim Tebow, that Florida era. Uh, it comes up. So it seemed fitting. And that was uh, they won it in 06. 2008, I think, was their their best season that they'd won it in that stretch. So I'm going 08 Florida. I love that pick. I love it. This gives me a back-to-back here that I'm kind of struggling a bit with. Got a couple teams. Got a couple places I want to go, but I'm going to go here. I don't think you're going to pick them, but I'm. But I. But I got to go with the teams that I want. So I'm going 2010 Auburn. Give yeah, me Cam Newton. Them. Give me 14 and 0 Auburn Tigers. Beating Oregon in the BCS championship game, number seven offense that year, Heisman season for Cam Newton, 1,400 rushing yards, 20 rushing touchdowns, 30 passing touchdowns. I mean, this, that Auburn team, and the defense was good. The offense was obviously fantastic, but that Auburn team is really about like one player. It's just about how special Cam was that year in college football. And it's very rare that we see like one player really carry a team like that. We may not ever really see it again in the era of college football that we have so much talent surrounding, uh, you know, talent grouping up together to play at the best programs. Uh, you know, to, to see something like this happen is really rare. Uh, so incredible story. And, uh, one of my best, I love cam. One of the best seasons we've seen from a college player. So I'll go 2010 Auburn number four. 
I mean, Cam Newton's your guy. I mean, that's that's your guy. guy. Yeah. So like, I, I totally understand. I would never pick them um, because it's Auburn. I so I know. Uh, I almost saved him for fifth, but then that just seemed kind of not fun. So I was like, I'll make, I'll mix it up. We'll go four here. We'll leave. We'll leave some you're putting doubt. them above everyone else. Yeah. We'll leave some doubt here for this fifth one. So you've got two back to back picks here to wrap up. Get uh, recap the, your first three so far. So my first three are 2001 Miami, 2020 Alabama, and 2005 Texas. Um, I'm going to go with a team who had a defensive coordinator named Kirby Smart. Had not been yet a head coach, um, but it's still led by the greatest college football coach of all time, Mr. Nick Saban. And I'm going with the 2020 Alabama or the 2012, excuse me, Alabama. Oh, sorry. The pick is in. Oh, yes. The pick is in. I know. I forgot yeah. to do mine. We need to hear it. Uh, the, the 2012 Alabama Crimson Tide. Oh, Alabama. Okay, so talk us through. There's a you know, there's a number of ways you could go. And I guess, you know, there you still got an extra pick. So you certainly could throw another Alabama champion <laughs> on here. But you know, you do have what 2011. Uh, you also have 2015, 2009. Why I guess 2012 the pick for you? So 2012 was the hurricane or the uh, tornado year, right? The big tornado hit Tuscaloosa in 2012. Um, they had a lot to overcome in that in that season. Um, but the AJ McCarron led team with Eddie Lacy, uh, DJ Fluker was on the team. Ryan Kelly was a backup center in that one. Now we know him as one of the better centers in the NFL. Yeah. Um, ha Clinton Dix was a was one of the was a free safety there and his backup was Landon Collins. I mean, like they, they, they had another one of those stacked defenses. Um, this was just a, a very, very well put together, very well coached team, um, a really fun team to watch. And we saw kind of the development of, uh, one of the next great college football coaches and Kirby smart being a part of those teams, uh, as he was the defensive coordinator for that Alabama team. So, yep. um, I am going to go with the 2012 uh, Crimson Tide Love for it. my fourth pick there. All right. And last pick for you, Mitch, ramping up <sighs> your draft here. Best national champions since 2000 in football. Who are you going with? Oh, my gosh. I don't even know. Um, You know... Because of the upset that they pulled off, and though I think that game was bullshit and that they shouldn't have won this national title game, I think that they they do deserve some sort of recognition for what they did. And I'm going to go with the 0-2 Ohio State Buckeyes. Oh. Sorry, pick it, the pick is in. Oh. Sorry. Oh, yes, we need it. Mitch, I love this pick because this was one of the ones I was debating. It was yeah. one of those under the radar teams that when I looked at it, I was like, man, this was a really pretty freaking good team. They just kind of forgot about that. I kind of wanted to shine some light on. So I'm glad that you've picked them here for number five. Yeah, this was just this was a really, really good team. This was the Jim Trestle area, the mm -hmm. the, the Jim Trestle era. Um, 
it was just, God dang it, this team was just so good. Maurice Claret was really their big name yep. on that roster. A running back, yep. Um, of course, things didn't pan out for him in the NFL as far as you know getting in legal troubles and everything. But a lot of people forget Nick Mangold was on that team. Um, Michael Jenkins was on that team. Santonio Holmes was on that yep. team. Chris Gamble um, was playing both ways Chris that year. Gamble was wide playing receiver both ways. and corner. Later, a Panthers legend, one of my favorite players growing up. But uh, yeah, played both ways at Ohio at a national title team. They were fourteen and yeah. zero too. They were legit. They were very legit. And so, like, I AJ Hawk was on that team. Um, this this is one of those one of those teams that though I don't think that they really deserved that national title. It was a bullshit call there at the end of the at the end of the game at overtime. Um, Miami should have won that game. They were riding a 38 or 34 game win streak at the, at the time going into that national title game. Um, and then losing on a really bad call. Um, they deserve to have a little bit of light shown on them. So I'm going to go with the O2 Buckeyes. Yeah, I love that. I love that, Mitch. Great pick there. As I said, I was debating between that and a few others. In fact, I'm debating between two right here as I make my final pick here uh, on the top five, uh, our draft of national champs since 2000. I'm debating between two, but I'm going to go. I got my decision. The pick is in final pick. We got to hear the sound. And with the fifth pick of our draft, Mitch, I am going with 2018 Clemson. Mm. Freshman Trevor Lawrence leading the Tigers to a 15-0 record. Number four offense, number one defense, dominating the college football playoff against Notre Dame and your Alabama Crimson Tide to secure a perfect season. Win the national title. Travis Etienne had 24 rushing touchdowns. I mean, this defense stacked with talent as they always are. But to me, this is a story of a freshman quarterback who was taking over for Deshaun Watson. They had won a national title a few years pre prior. Deshaun was great. He was a top pick having success. Trevor Lawrence, a lot of expectations. And he immediately came in and proved why he was that guy. He was immediately that guy as a freshman leading his team to a national title. An incredible story uh, and an incredible team that went undefeated that year uh, in a year that had some pretty good college football teams. So 2018 Clemson is going to be my final pick here. I love it. I do love that pick. Um, you know, it, it's... It, it, it's it's hard to turn away a turn a blind eye to a to a freshman that led them to a to a national title. Um, I think that it's it's a very very solid fifth pick here to round out your draft. I mean you 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 put together a uh, quite literally a a team full of winners, Dallin. A Ooh. team full of winners. Well, so I, I could say the same about you, my friend. Uh, pretty strong top fives here in our draft. Let's read them off for the folks. Uh, recap who we've selected again, drafting from the best national championship football team since the year 2000. Mitch, who were your five teams? So I went uh, number one overall, went uh, to the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. Uh, number two, the 2020 Alabama Crimson Tide. Number three, the 2005 Texas Longhorns. 
Number four, the 2012 Alabama Crimson Tide. And number five, the 2002 Ohio State Buckeyes. Great. Uh, my top five as follows from one to five, 2019 LSU Tigers, 2004 USC Trojans, 2008 Florida Gators, 2010 Auburn Tigers. Tigers, Tigers, yeah. I always hesitate. I don't know why I can never remember. There's too many Tigers, Mitch. And then I just well, okay, thinking, so this is, is why – This is an, here's another reason to hate Auburn is they do – they're the Tigers, but then they yell War Eagle. Okay. And that doesn't got, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm just like, they're not the War Eagles. That's not right. Yeah. No, because Confusing they're stupid. Me. They're stupid and they're dumb. That's what it is. Either way, 2010 Auburn Tigers and 2018 Clemson Tigers. See too many Tigers. LSU Tigers, Clemson Tigers, Auburn Tigers, Detroit Tigers. El Tigre. You know, too El many. Uh, El Tigres, yeah. <laughs> Let's t- let's yeah. yeah, that's that's the top five. That's our draft, guys. Let us know uh, what you thought. Let us know who had the strongest top five. If you're watching live on YouTube or on Twitter, let us know in the comments. If you're listening, leave us a, a comment uh, on our social medias or leave us a voicemail on Anchor, anchor.fm slash the sports hour, guys. You can leave a voicemail. Give us your thoughts anytime, not just about this, about anything on any podcast. Uh, you could be a part of the show by uh, checking us out there. Mitch, our week NFL recap we got to get into. Do you want to start, though, with our MVP watch? Uh, we've been doing a little MVP watch as the season wraps up, and we're headed into week 18, so it seemed fitting to revisit our MVP rankings. On the last podcast we had, our rankings were as follows. Top three, and three went number one, Jalen Hurts. Number two, Patrick Mahomes. And the newest entry in that list, number three, Joe Burrow. Moving ahead of Josh Allen into the top three. Our update this week, Mitch, we have the same three, but a different order. Tell the folks what we got. So we got Patrick Mahomes at number one, Jalen Hurts number two, and Joe Burrow still at number three. Yeah. And I'm okay with this order. Um, Pat, you know, barring any sort of injury, we never, we never, you know, hope for this. Yeah, uh, clearly we want everyone to stay healthy. So like, you know, but Patrick Mahomes is going to play more games than J- than Jalen Hurts at the end of the year. And so there's going to be a better resume I think put together for Patrick Mahomes at the end of the year. So I think that gives him the slight edge here. Um and you could almost make the same case for Joe Burrow, you know, that unfortunately due to very serious circumstances, he's not going to play as many games as Jalen Hurts, but um has put together a, a very fine season and a, a very, very good season. And um, I I don't know if Burroughs had more of an impact of success on the Bengals than Hertz has had on the Eagles. But I think that them at two and three right now, respectively, um, is going to be kind of where they're going to sit right now for us. There's not a whole lot of reason to flip those two as well and bump hurts all the way down to three. There's just not a good enough reason really in my mind. Yeah. I I think at this point you're absolutely right, Mitch. I think this is going to be our top three when it's all said and done. This will be where we sit at the end of the season. Uh, Just because there's not enough time for things to change and hurts is out and not playing this final week. So obviously he's not adding to it. Hurts will end up playing 14 games on the season goes 13 and one as a starter completing 67% of his passes, 
3,400 passing yards, had 35 total touchdowns, if you include his 13 rushing touchdowns, just five interceptions, 747 yards on the ground uh, for Hertz this year. And great numbers for him. Would have been the MVP lead had he finished the season healthy, but I think just not having, uh, you know, not having as many reps, not having the numbers to match is, is ultimately going to uh, hold him back in in our rankings here for, for better or worse. You know, it's unfortunate for him to have this injury. He's had a great year, but as you said, uh, deserves to stay at number two. He's second in yards per attempt, tied for third fewest INTs, so extremely efficient this year. But Mahomes, Mitch, first in passing yards and passing touchdowns third in passing yards per attempt. He's the only quarterback over 5,000 passing yards on the season. He's got 44 total touchdowns on the year, 67% completion percentage. And he's doing this all without Tyreek Hill, right? Like, it's like, we forget that that incredible weapon that he had for so long, they traded away this off season. Mm -hmm. And it looks like he's almost better. I mean, that just proves how great Patrick Mahomes is. It feels lame to just give the guy the award because he's so good, but he's so good. He deserves it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it, yeah. I mean, it, it, there, there just comes a point to where, like, you're just so darn good. You, you can't turn a blind eye to it anymore. You just have yep. to give it to the guy. And they're winning, which which helps a ton. So yeah, likely um, going to be the number one uh, seed in the AFC with the bye, and you know over Josh Allen, over Joe Burrow, you know over his competition in that sense. Obviously, uh, you know gives him a very strong case there. So uh, you know, as you mentioned, likely going to stay put there for us with one more week left. We'll see, you know, what happens this week. But I mean, unless he throws seven interceptions. I <laughs> I don't think we're bumping down Patrick yeah. Mahomes. If even at that point, I might reward him even more. That'd be impressive to to do that, you know, in one game. So, right, yeah, so seven interceptions. You know, kind of have to reward that, uh, Mitch. That's our MVP watch week seventeen recap. We got to get into our superlatives for the week. Most impressive team from week seventeen for you. I'll let you go first here. Um, I had the New York Giants. The New York Giants were exceptionally impressive. And look, this is a team that is playoff bound, a team that we did not think was going to be um, a, a playoff team, not even like sniffing the conversation. And here they are, 9-6-1. and one. Uh, What Brian Dable and Week Martindale have done over there, Santa and Santa's little helper um, have done over there in New York is just nothing short of fantastic. Now, a, a win that they should have gotten, right? When beating the Colts is definitely something that they should have done, right? The Colts are in a bad spot. I think they started, did they started Nick Foles and then went to Sam Ellinger. Um, and Daniel in, so it, it, this was a win that they were supposed to get, but, uh, the play of Daniel Jones has really warranted, I think them giving him another contract. I think it, it warrants them going, okay, let's see if this guy, is the deal. Now I'm not saying give him a four or five year contract, but maybe a two year deal, give him a two year deal and see what else you get out of him. Um, because he's definitely made things happen, not just with his arms, but with his legs. And it was evident in this last week, 11 for 91 with two on the ground for Daniel Jones. Um, he has turned Isaiah Hodgins into a weapon. Um, he has 
made it seems like a, a very depleted wide receiver core something to keep an eye on week in and week out. So I have to give big ups to the New York Giants and and Brian Dable and Wink Martindale and what they've been able to do um, as a team. They don't they may not do one thing exceptionally well. They just do a lot of things right. And I have to give them props yep. for that. And they just get it done and they have all year. And that's what's been most impressive about this Brian Dable led team is that even when it's looked ugly, they continue to win. And here they are, as you said, locked into the playoffs, locked into the number six seed coming into the final week of the season. And we would have never guessed that. I think mean, we both predicted them like four wins this year. I mean, we did expect it to be bad and, and rightfully so. And I'd love to talk. We'll talk a little bit. Daniel Jones later, a little bit of a tease here in, in our week 17 recap. We'll bring him up again. But uh, very impressive win for the Giants. I'm right there with you, Mitch. My most impressive team this week, though, the Green Bay Packers, who keep their season alive, their playoff hopes alive with a dominant win over the Minnesota Vikings. 41 to 17 in this game. And listen, like, you know, it's not like Minnesota's locked into the division lead. They're going to win their, you know, NFC North. It's at this point of the season, you know, the motivations are different for these teams. But Green Bay looked down and out a while ago. And I told them to hang up the towel. And I will stand by that statement for the long term, Mitch. For the long term, if they make the playoff, unless they win the Super Bowl this year, you know, winning a playoff game with Aaron Rodgers and then losing doesn't do you much better, in my opinion, than giving Jordan Love half a season of work to see what you got. But regardless of the decision they made, they're here at 8-8 eight and eight, with a chance to make the playoffs if they win on Sunday night against the Lions. And I did not expect that. I mean, they had to basically win every game out to get here. And they've done it. And an impressive win against a 12-win Vikings team to give them this opportunity. So, Green Bay's figuring I, it I, out. I want to ask you a question then. So, you would rather... Would you rather have a half a year of Jordan Love under center than get into the playoffs and have a playoff win? To go nine and eight if you're the Green Bay Packers? We're not asking this in a vacuum. You're asking me for the 2022 Green Bay Packers? A thousand percent. Going nine and eight, winning the wild card game, and then losing to the Eagles in the next round. A thousand percent. You what? You'd rather long have, term. You'd rather have a. I'd you'd rather, rather see have what you have in Jordan Love because we don't know anything. You about know it. what you have in Jordan Love. He's we garbage. We have. You he do. hasn't played, Mitch. You don't know that he's played. No, he's played like one game. We know nothing about him, and you drafted him with the first round pick. So at a certain point, you got to figure out what you got with him. They're historically bad drafters. And now. going nine and eight and winning one playoff game does you nothing. Unless you win the Super Bowl this year, it was a failure. So sit Aaron so, Rodgers for half a year and see what you got for Jordan Love over yes. a playoff appearance. Oh, yes. We're talking about the Packers, Mitch. This isn't the Lions. This isn't the Browns. I don't give a this shit who we're talking about. I don't know. No, no, no. I don't give a shit. No, it doesn't matter who we're talking about. You'd rather give up a half a year of the one of the, the most talented quarterback of his era who probably is just gone next to year, see who they you have. Him, he could be gone to see who you have in Jordan love to see what the future looks like. Yes. Does this future look great to you, Mitch? I they mean, just paid Aaron Rodgers a big contract. He's going to be there. They're eight and eight with Aaron Rodgers. What's the like, he's going to be the there. Point? Why would they sit him? 
We don't know he's going to be there. He's not locked in for the Packers forever. That's not how this works. That's not how this works. What are you doing? You're out of your mind. What makes you, if you're the Packers, want to continue to do this? You're eight and eight this year. It's you. This has been successful. This makes you want to run this back. With Aaron Rodgers, yeah. And you got to focus on. You got to give him he's weapons. Been here all How year. many times do I have to say? He's been here he all year. He doesn't have anyone to throw to. He doesn't have anyone to throw to. You, okay. What do you that's think whole, Jordan Love is going to look like made. if he has the same garbage weapons that Aaron Rodgers has to throw to? What that's, do you think he's going to look like? That's the only he's reason they're like shit. That's the only reason they're eight and eight is because Aaron Rodgers has no one to throw to. That's a big that's problem. That's, that's a big I don't problem. Think it's just that I don't think it's just that you're so f- you are you are you you are I delusional. don't understand why you want to go nine and you eight should and be, be like banned from talking season. football. Are you kidding me? You think that that has nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers? The fact that he doesn't have anyone to throw to, and somehow Jordan Love's going to get a good look with the same weapons Aaron Rodgers has to throw to? Are you insane? Come on. Nine and eight is not success. If you want to do that every year, I guess have but at it. No, but if but that's no, what we're going to do. Stop, stop with the record. Then, stop with the record. That wasn't your point. Your point was point. you wanted. That is no, the point. If you're going to no, go your nine point and eight was you wanted to get a better game, look at Jordan Love. And you might you as think... well get a look at Jordan Love. Yes. That's that's the point. But There's what no are you what look it. are you going to get with him? Something. What look are you going to get with him? No, you're going to get nothing with the weapons that he has. He doesn't have Devontae Adams to throw to anymore. We got to move on to our most disappointing team in our week 17 recap. Golly, uh, we'll never is, agree on I'll, that. I'll let you go first here. What's your most disappointing team from this uh, this past week? It's, it's the Minnesota Vikings. We're going to stay in this game. I'm sorry. We're going to stay in this game for just a minute. It's it's the Minnesota Vikings. Um, like, I mean, they, they, they continue to be the most confusing winning team we've ever seen. They continue to be that confusing. We don't know what we have. Is Kirk Cousins elite? Is he not? Um, can he be in that top 10 quarterback conversation in the league? We we, we just don't know. Um, uh, Minnesota continues to be a huge, huge question mark. Um, and losing to a team like the Green Bay Packers, um, who had Aaron Rodgers under center and was making the best usage of the no talent that he has at the wide receiver position. Um, get, they, they, they continue to to confuse people as to how good is this 12 and 4 team i really i'm i'm really not sure um if this is a team that's going to be uh a, a even get out of the first round of the playoffs this uh this vikings team they're so back and forth you know they had one of the best wins of the year against buffalo uh and then they look bad at times uh and you know like i mentioned earlier they're locked into the NFC North. What's their motivation in week 17, right? All that aside, like they just didn't look good. And like you said, the question becomes one playoff time, which team is showing up? Is it the team we saw against Buffalo? Is it the team we saw at times that was incredible? Or is it, you know, this team that showed up against Green Bay? We'll see when the time comes. New head coach, uh, new era in Minnesota with Kevin O'Connell. But uh, certainly not the performance you want to see as they head uh, into this playoff stretch. Mitch, my most disappointing team easily uh, is my team, uh, the Carolina Panthers. And I did this to myself. I shouldn't have got my hopes up. You know, if we win this game, playoffs are in our hands. We beat the Bucks. We could win the division at like eight and nine. 
And I just shouldn't have ever accepted that. I knew better. I knew that we weren't going to do that. We were going to end up with a top 10 pick. We suck. I knew that. And yet I still like just for the last week, I just bought in. I was like, you're saying there's a chance, you know, it's the bucks Brady, ah, freaking Brady. Screw him. We could do this. Uh, and then, uh, they didn't, uh, we just, <laughs> it just didn't happen. Panthers was 30, 24. Mike Evans has a monster game. Brady has a monster. Uh, the Panthers playoff hopes dashed in an instant. Uh, I should have seen it coming. I'm the only one disappointed by this, but you know, it's okay. It's okay. It was fun for the week that I believed we had a shot. I'm not going to lie. I was riding with you, buddy. I was hoping that your Panthers got in. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't have anything else to pull for, right? The bears suck. Might as well pull for my best friend's team and see if the Panthers can get in. Um, but you know, I don't think there, I don't think you should be disappointed though, because like they had a good run. Right. But like, you're still going to wind up with that top 10 pick or close to at least. And things will be okay. Things will be okay. But we need that more than anything at this point. Yeah. Uh, that is for dang sure. Mitch, uh, your overreaction of the week. Yeah. Um, I think that Mike Tomlin is definitively the best head coach of this decade of the last decade. Um, oh, definitively not even a question. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, the fact that we're still talking about this Pittsburgh Steelers team, a team that we both had winning what five, six games at the most. And they're in very real playoff talks and they're still, they're still doing, you know, they're still doing a lot of the little things, right? It seems like the Kenny Pickett has developed um, much quicker than what we anticipated him the, the the rate that he's going to develop at has been much quicker. Um, the fact that the Steelers are still in playoff contention just shows that Mike Tomlin can take a lot of broken pieces, can start at a rebuild, and that floor for that rebuild is going to be much much higher with Mike Tomlin at the helm. Um, I think there was a lot of question marks going into the season about how he was going to handle that, and he has handled it about as good as you possibly could. Um, I would say that definitively Mike Tomlin is the best head coach of the last decade. And this year with the, with the position that he has the Steelers in right now is just uh, icing on the top, uh, the cherry on top uh, for that argument. Yeah. You know, I don't disagree with you as I've sat here thought about, you know, obviously you'd mentioned Belichick first and foremost uh, at the top of that list with the success of the Patriots have had, but Tomlin has had more difficult circumstances than Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick has had more success. He also had Tom Brady, but Mike Tomlin has still throughout all of this, not had a losing record season. And here he is sitting at eight and eight with one week left. And he might keep that streak up with a rookie quarterback in a team. As right. you mentioned, we both had winning five games this year. So the fact that they're even here, I mean, that is like you said, the icing on the cake of what has been an incredible career for him and proving that he is that guy uh, culture. When you talk about culture guys and winning cultures, I mean, it's Mike Tomlin. He's done that in Pittsburgh, and they've had a winning culture ever since he's been there, and they're continuing it. Uh, not an overreaction to me. I think you're, I think you're spot on there, Mitch. Uh, okay. My overreaction this uh, this week is that the AFC South and NFC South champions 
will not lose in the wild card round. And when mm. I say this, I basically mean the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tampa Bay Bucks because the Jags have the lead, right? If they lose to Tennessee, they could lose the division, but they're the favorite right now and Tennessee's starting Josh Dobbs, so they should win the division. If it's Jacksonville, Tampa, both of those teams are winning. I don't care who they're playing. They might play some really good teams in the playoffs, but with the way those teams are playing right now, I ain't betting against them. I think both those teams would be getting out of the first round of the playoffs. I am going to say that's not an overreaction on the part of the AFC. The part of the NFC is still just so confusing to me because like what we're going to see the Bucks play the Vikings, you know, like what are we going to see? No, it'd be the Cowboys unless the Cowboys win the NFC East. Then you would see the Eagles because you'd see that top wild. Yeah, and so, and so I'm not totally bought in there, but I believe a lot more in the Jags than I do right now in the Buccaneers. Um, I I I think that there's, I think that's a very real possibility, but I'm not. I I think that one of them will come out of the wild card. Absolutely, I I hundred percent. So I'm gonna say it's not an overreaction, but there's still a part of me that's like. I, I I struggle a little bit to buy in a hundred percent and it's really just on the Buccaneers um, because they've been so like they make you think they're turn of the year around and here they go, here they go. And then it drops back off again. Um, so um, with my faith in the Jacksonville Jaguars, with my lack of faith really in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I have to, I have to say that it's not an overreaction. But I'm hesitant, just to, yeah. just a touch. I feel it, but I'm just thinking Tom Brady versus Mike McCarthy in Dallas in the first round of the playoffs. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a tough bet to make. That's Can you I'm really saying. trust Mike McCarthy? That's all I'm like, saying. I, yeah, uh, I Mitch, gotcha. MVP of the week. Who is your MVP? Um, my MVP of the week is going to be the Lions defense. Um, I know that they just shut down the Bears. Um, really, what they did was they took care of one dynamic of. Justin Fields game, which was don't let him throw the football. He can beat us with his legs. That's fine. He doesn't have anything else to throw to. So just like let him try to beat us with his legs. And he, yeah, he put up the 10 for 139. And that's cool. But uh, this Lions defense as a whole over the last few weeks has really stepped up. We've known that the Lions offense can put up points when they want to. The defense has been really, really suspect. And it seems like over the last few weeks we've seen this Dan Campbell emphasis of defense really start to take shape and they've played much, much better. And I know that they shut down the Chicago bears, which right now is really not hard to do, but it's promising for them going into a, a potential wildcard situation where they, they could be playing some playoff football. Um, and there's, you know, there's three things that you got to do and, and playoff football, which is play good defense, establish the run game, and have your special teams locked in. Those are three things you got to do to win playoff games. Um, when it comes to uh, you know being outside in the elements, especially in the winter, um, and the Lions seems to be geared up to do that right now. So I'm giving it to the Lions defense. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's been the weak point all year to see them stepping up at this point. Huge, especially with that big looming game. Playoff hopes on the line this Sunday. They're going to need that defense to step up if they want uh, a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, with a uh, great story this year with Dan Campbell. My MVP, uh, you mentioned him earlier, Daniel Jones. That's who I'm going with in the MVP this this week. Uh, deserves credit for that performance. Uh, this past Sunday uh, had 177 yards, 
passing uh, set, completed just under 80% of his passes for two touchdowns and also rushed for 91 yards and two touchdowns to so four total touchdowns in the game. And I, you mentioned Jones and his future. I, I think what I've concluded at this point is that Jones has certainly shown you he's worth seeing again next year as your full-time starter. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's worth the long-term contract, even a further commitment outside of just like a franchise tag at this point, but you're encouraged by what you've seen with him and Brian Dable, right? He's, sure. this is the season so far, 3,200 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, five interceptions, uh, completing 67% of his passes, best numbers of his career by far, very being much more efficient with the ball. Also rushing for 700 yards and seven touchdowns. And that is a new element to the game. And that reminds me of the Josh Allen early years with Brian Dable and Buffalo. And that was always the thought is, well, he what he did with Josh Allen, could he somehow replicate some of that with Daniel Jones? What we've seen this year with Daniel Jones is like that first decent year with, with Josh Allen, remember, right? He wasn't elite, elite yet, but you started, oh, they really re- leaned into his running ability and using yeah. his athleticism. And then that really opened up everything in the passing and he was more efficient. We see an efficient Daniel Jones who's not asked to do much in the passing game, also doesn't have a lot of weapons to throw to. If you improve that, ask him to do more building upon what you've done this year. Can you see that leap next year? If you see the leap, then you know he's the guy, then you can commit. But I don't think that he's proven enough in this year alone to say we got to, you know, he is our guy. Uh, But he certainly made you feel good about rolling him out as your starter next year. You can win, but can he take you to the next level? That's what you're still asking, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. And I and I was kind of on board with that, you know, a max two year deal at at the most, you know, you know. Is he worth the one year? Is he worth the franchise tag? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not the Giants' front office, but um, yeah, Daniel Jones definitely has stepped up um, thanks to the help. I think a lot of Brian Dable and be yeah. put himself as to a competent NFL quarterback. Yeah, so. no doubt. Uh, Mitch, big L this week. Who takes the big L for you? Uh, the entire Raiders organization. <laughs> um, yeah. Just when we thought the Vikings were the most confusing team in football, uh, <laughs> look no further than the Las Vegas Raiders um, because it does not just go. It does not just happen on the field or on the sidelines. It goes up to the front office. Who the hell knows what the Raiders plan is moving forward? Um, it seems like that things are trending in the direction that they're going to move on f- you know, move off from Derek Carr. Um, is Devontae Adams going to want to stay there now that Derek Carr is going to be leaving? Because that's the whole reason he came to Las Vegas was come here and win with Derek Carr. But now Derek Carr may, may be out. Is Jarrett Stidham the quarterback? Are they going to look to trade up to draft a quarterback? Are they, what what is the plan of the Raiders? They've never addressed the defense over the last 20 years. What is their plan? And, I feel like this last week with the whole Derek Carr debacle where they said, don't even travel with the team, just stay home and rest up. Um, The season long struggles with Josh McDaniels at the helm. This seems like a very, very lost organization um, that needs to do a lot of soul searching and really figure out what path that they need to get on um, to at least point themselves in the right direction. Um, uh, the whole organization is an absolute mess. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough times right now. And and then you have Josh Jacobs, who has a breakout year and he's a free agent, you know, and and, and they're not going to they're not going to bring him back. And There's you no can't way. bring it. You're probably not bringing him back. And it's yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough spot to be in. Uh, our, our good friend uh, Tanner Paseni commented. And I will, we'll throw this up there. Stidham Stidham. Hey, Stidham looked good. He looked good in the loss. Tim's going to lead him to a six and 11 season next year. Uh, well, you're going, you're six and 10 right now. So it looks like repeats for you uh, if you're the Raiders, but uh, you know, it's, yeah. it, it's a, it's an interesting situation with where they're at in the NFL draft. I mean, right now they'd be picking number eight overall. I've seen, you know, a couple will Levis, you know, start throwing him out there. I mean, they're going to be in the mix there. Do they go rookie quarterback route do they go veteran quarterback route can they find somebody to upgrade there over Derek Carr I mean a lot of questions going on there what does Josh McDaniels want as the head coach uh, the interesting offseason ahead for Vegas for sure uh Mitch my big L this week goes to uh Ron Rivera I love Riverboat Ron love Riverboat Ron this is a bad L the Washington Commanders they're they're a walking L of a franchise uh but uh Ron Rivera, not knowing that his team could be eliminated in week 17, that's the big L this week. Uh, he was asked about it in the press conference afterwards. Uh, he was not aware that they could be eliminated by losing, uh, but they were uh, because they lost and uh, the right teams won. So they are out of the playoffs at 7-8-1. and one. They will not be making it. And uh, head coach didn't even realize that they had to win to stay alive so that they could even get eliminated. Uh that week. So that's a bad look, not a good look for your franchise with all the mess going around Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Just lack of awareness. I mean, and riverboat Ron, I mean, Ron Rivera has been one of the most aware head coaches, self-aware head coaches Yum. in the last, you know, 25 years. And for him not to be aware of that, uh, it's, it's gotta be some analyst look. on the staff that that's, that's job is to let him know stuff like that. <laughs> Hey, dude, you, you know? could be eliminated this week. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. You're an intern, bro. You got one job. That's it. Uh, right. <laughs> well, that's it for our week 17 recap. We got to uh, wrap up the podcast here with our quick picks. And uh, to look back at last week's games, I went 10 and five and my picks went Mitch went nine and six. We didn't include Buffalo Cincinnati, obviously, as that game uh, was postponed and uh, will likely not get played. So, uh, you know, if it gets played, we'll include it. We'll make a pick there. We both, uh, you actually picked Buffalo. I picked Cincinnati in that one. But, uh, you know, so we'll, we just didn't count that. We might not ever count it if it doesn't get played. But uh, so as of last week, 10 and five for myself, nine and six for Mitch. That puts the season record 153, 102 and two for Mitch, 138, 117 and two for myself. I've gotten away from 500, which makes me feel good. I was never going to come back. The deficit was way too big, but I feel good about moving away from 500, uh, redeeming myself a bit at the season's end. Should we announce what the punishment is? Yeah, I mean, I think we've alluded to it already, but uh, I yeah. will have to be starting an OnlyFans uh, <laughs> for feet picks. So I guess if you're into that, you can check that out when it comes because it'll I, be I, up there. I want the I, – I get to pick the handle name, though, I think. Okay. All right. I, that's Which I, I, that's I want fair. it Sweet Tootsies XXX. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I like it. Yeah. Sweet, I mean – sweet. To, I, I don't know if that one's taken or not already. But I, I, 
<laughs> we'll have to do some searching. I gotta have, like have my wife supervise me searching. They're like setting up this only thing. I know so that, there's yeah. no, you know, there's no like, oh, what's this tab open? You know, I'm like, I just gotta make sure every the wife has here. to make sure this you're is on a the work good thing, babe. This is a work thing. Okay, as if there's a good side of OnlyFans, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness but we do have one oh more week of picks despite the fact we do I'm down 15 we do. uh and i literally uh could come back if i correctly guessed every game and you correctly uh you incorrectly guessed every game but uh that will not happen but we'll make the picks regardless mitch uh to uh to wrap up the podcast here well, you're saying there's a chance but you know what let's get right into it no thursday night game Week. We're going to jump right into a Saturday slate. Three games on Saturday. First off, the Kansas City Chiefs, they're leaving the state of Missouri to head over to Sin City to take on the Raiders. Give me the Chiefs on the road. Things are bad in Las Vegas. Give me the future MVP, Patrick Mahomes, over the Raiders. Yeah, taking Kansas City in this one. Jarrett Stidham starting for the Raiders in Kansas City. Uh, secured in the number one spot, but not if they lose. So they will need a win to secure that bye, and they'll get that done on Saturday. Following that, Mitch, the Tennessee Titans fighting for the AFC South division, and they're headed to the swamps of Jacksonville to take on Trevor Lawrence and the Jags. Jags clinch the AFC South in the first year with Doug Peterson at the helm. Give me Jacksonville. Duval, give me the Jags at home over the Titans visiting from Music City. I like the Jags in this one as well to win the division. Following that game, last game on Saturday, we have the Baltimore Ravens. They're leaving the state of Maryland, heading over to the home of Skyline Chili to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Give me the Bengals in this one, and a close one. I think it was a very emotional game for both teams in that in last week's, you know, this last Monday's game. Um, I think Cincinnati comes back, gets the win over over Baltimore. Uh, I like the Bengals in this one. Yeah, I'm gonna roll with Cincinnati here. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, the injury, will he come back? Does he need to? They're locked into the playoffs. Uh, you know, I think it's been tough to end the season for Baltimore. Meanwhile, Cincinnati uh, has been playing really well coming off of the tragedy on Monday and everything that happened there with DeMar Hamlin. I think Cincinnati going to be extra motivated. They get the dub uh, on Saturday night. Heading to the Sunday morning slate, Mitch, and the AFC North matchup to follow that. Cleveland Browns headed to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Can Mike Tomlin keep the streak alive? No undefeated season. No under 500 seasons. For Mike Tomlin, I say yes, Pittsburgh gets the win. Yeah, give me the Steelers at home. Mike Tomlin stays perfect in his winning season record. I like the Steelers at home over the Brownies. Following that game, the Vikings, they're leaving the state of Minnesota to head over the win to sit, oh, head over to the Windy City to take on the Chicago Bears. I love them. Love them with all my heart. But keep losing. Get those top five picks. Get that top three pick now. Give me the Vikings over the Bears. Wow, I'm I'm shocked Mitch did not take the Bears. Uh, but you are still in contention for the number one overall pick if Houston wins and you lose. So better for the Bears to potentially I'd get that it. number one overall pick. Uh, I am going to roll with Minnesota in this one. No Justin Fields in this game. Chicago fully tanking. 
Uh, yeah, give me Minnesota. Mitch, following that AFC East matchup, New England Patriots with playoff hopes alive, headed to Buffalo to take on the Bills. Emotional game for Buffalo, no doubt. And there's no way that they drop this one. Uh, give me Buffalo at home. There is no way Buffalo drops this one. And the words of the great Chris Berman, no one circles the wagons quite like the Buffalo Bills. Give me the Bills at home over the Patriots. Following that game, the Jets, they're leaving the Big Apple to head over to Miami to take on the Miami Dolphins. Miami down to their third-string quarterback. Things are not looking good. A team that started 8-3 and three right now sitting 8-8. Eight and eight, Not looking good. Give me the Jets on the road to Miami. Yeah, I am actually going to roll with the Dolphins in this one, Mitch. Dolphins, playoff hopes alive for the moment, but they need a win to jump over New England. Now, New England, as we said, expected to lose, so a win for Miami could potentially put them in that final playoff spot. The Jets already eliminated. I know it's probably Skylar Thompson, third-string quarterback for Miami, but this team was playing so well for Mike McDaniel. They really had a tough stretch. Can they muster enough to just get into the playoffs? I'm going to say yes. I'll roll with Miami at home in this one, Mitch. Following that NFC South matchup, Tampa Bay Bucks locked in the NFC South division, headed to the ATL to take on the Falcons. Falcons get the win. Tampa Bay, they're locked in. No need to worry anymore about the division. Uh, they're going to be looking ahead. Atlanta playing good ball right now. Desmond Ritter balls out. Algier balls out. Falcons get the dub. I know. I think this is a really close one. Give me the Buccaneers over the Falcons to get this one done. Um, really, really close game. I, I, I Honestly, this was the one I really had a tough time picking. I think I'm going to take the Bucks here in a close one. A two-point margin over Atlanta. Dallin, following that game, we have Carolina. They're headed over to the Big Easy. They're taking on the New Orleans Saints. I got two words for you, Dallin. And they ain't who day. It is keep pounding. Give me the Carolina Panthers on the road against the New Orleans Saints. The Panthers end the season on a high note. Yeah, you know, I love the direction. I love the fight with Steve Wilkes and this team, but I've got two words for you, Mitch. Keep tanking because uh, we need to get uh, as high in this draft order as we can for a good quarterback. So I love my Panthers. I hope we're super competitive and we lose to the Saints. I'm going with New Orleans in this one for the draft picks. For the draft capital, we'll roll with New Orleans uh, in week 18. Following that, Mitch, this uh, it's time to do this. Uh, this, this to me, very oh. clear. This has got to be garbage game of the week. Are we good with that? Oh, 100%. Okay, yeah. L- let's hear this it. Is just, this is just hot garbage. Straight hot garbage. You're a garbage person. Person. This is it always just, wants this to cut just off. hot garbage. Do it again. Straight hot garbage. You're a garbage person. Garbage person. Garbage person. Yeah, that's what it's a garbage person in a garbage game, Mitch. This is, this is just AFC South. This is AFC South, and it is uh not good. Not good. Houston at Indianapolis, Texans at Colts, two very bad teams. Houston trying to hang on to the number one overall pick, and they will. I'm gonna pick Indy in this one. Yeah, not much to talk about here in this game. I'm taking Indy in this one, too. Houston will wind up with the number one overall pick. Chicago's going to have to settle for two or three. That's fine. 
we don't want the two or three. Or we don't want the number one. We want the two or three because that's where the better players come from. But anyway, <laughs> give me Indianapolis here. Uh, following that, we're going to get into the Sunday afternoon slate. We got Arizona. They're leaving the de- desert to head up to the city by the bay to take on the San Francisco 49ers. It is pretty time. Big Cock Brock is going to lead this team to an NFC title game. Give me the San Francisco 49ers over the Arizona Cardinals. I like the Niners in this one. Upset of the week, Mitch. Ball like Trace McSorley. I'm rolling with Arizona in this one. Uh, there's going to be something in week no. 18 that happens. There's always going to be something. Oh, uh, I think this is a great spot for it. Uh, we'll go Arizona getting the upset on the road. Following that, Mitch, NFC East, Dallas Cowboys headed to the nation's capital to take on the Washington Commanders. Cowboys have a shot at the NFC East title if the Philadelphia Eagles falter. Cowboys get the win, give themselves that opportunity. They get it done on the road against Washington. They give themselves the opportunity. No foreshadowing, but they give themselves the opportunity. Give me Dallas over Washington. Following that game, we got the Rams. They're leaving the City of Angels to head up to the Emerald City to take on the Seattle Seahawks. In a close one, I'm going to take the Rams on the road. I think they they get this one done over Seattle. Seattle's been struggling after the hot start. Uh, Rams ended up on a high note, and Sean McVay doesn't lose his job. Give me the Rams. Yeah, I... I'm going to roll with Seattle in this one. Seattle needs the win. Keep their playoff hopes alive. If Green Bay wins, they won't make it in. They have to win, but even a win doesn't secure it for Seattle. They need Green Bay to also lose. But they get it done at home. They get it done in front of the 12th, the 12th man. Uh, get it done against the Rams. I'll go with Seattle. Following that, Mitch, one of the biggest games this week, Giants and Eagles. Giants locked into the number six seed. Eagles locked in, but need to win to win the NFC East and earn a bye in the first round of the playoffs. Can they get it done with no Jalen Hurts? I'm going to say yes. A gritty, tough win for Philly over New York to secure that number one seed. I'm going with the Eagles. I'm 100% with you. Give me Gardner Minshew and the Philadelphia Eagles to get it done at home over the G-Men. I like the Eagles at home. Following that game, we got the Chargers. They are leaving the City of Angels, to head up to Mile High to take on the Denver Broncos Chargers. Chargers. That's an easy one. Chargers. Okay. Broncos. What? Broncos. No. Going Denver. Really? Going Denver. Yeah. I mean, why not? Chargers locked into the playoffs. You know, it gets weird in the last week of the season. Rest in starters, maybe? Rest in starters. You know, the second half gets away. They're like, oh, whatever. We're good. I don't know. I At like least Russell chaos. Wilson has thrown more touchdown passes than bathrooms in his house. Finally did it. Finally, finally did it. Did it. Yep. Maybe Sierra will allow him in the house now. Uh, we'll <laughs> see. Uh, Mitch, following that, biggest game of the week, Sunday night football, NFC North, Packers, Lions, Rodgers, Goff. <laughs> it felt weird to say Dan Campbell. I was like, I got to pick the quarterback, but Rodgers, Goff just doesn't have the kind of cachet you'd hope it did but uh nonetheless a great matchup here i'm so excited for this game winner will 
basically, you know, depending on what happens in the Seahawks game, have a shot at making the playoffs with the W. All of it on the line Sunday night football. Man, I want to go for the fighting Dan Campbell so bad, Mitch. But I'm going to say Rodgers and the Packers do enough. They're riding this very hot streak right now. Super motivated to make the playoffs. And I think they will. I think they'll get there. They'll sneak in. They'll make that seven seed. I'm going Packers on the road uh, to clinch the final playoff spot in the NFC. I love getting the opportunity to tell you that you're wrong. And you're wrong. Give me the fighting Dan Campbells, the Detroit Lions, to get into the playoffs, knock the Packers out of playoff contention, and get the job done. I love the Lions here. Give me the Motor City over those dumbass cheeseheads over there in Green Bay. I like the Lions. Yeah, I mean, listen, it would be the best story. I'd be rooting so hard for the Lions in the playoffs if we get to see them there. I mean, that would be so much fun, especially I'm just hoping it's Lions Vikings. Can we get Minnesota Detroit in the first? Because like the Lions will beat them. Like, I, I have no yeah, doubt in my don't... mind. You know, if, if Detroit has to play San Francisco, like, that's, you know, eesh, that's that's going to be tough sledding. But, I mean, if they get if Detroit gets lined up against Minnesota round one, I'm I'm in. I'm right. Oh, yeah. Let's go. 100%. Can't wait. Can't wait. Last week of the NFL regular season, it has been uh, so much fun uh, to cover this whole uh, year. Our quick picks every week. Uh, we love doing it. Got it. Got to keep it up. Uh, you know, we go a little back and forth on the wins here. You know, seems like it just goes every year. One year you, one year me. And here we go back and forth. Mitch on his way to another victory in the quick picks uh, and me on my way to starting in uh, and only fans for my feet. So uh, that's well, that's where we're at. That's where I'll we're subscribe. at. I'll subscribe, buddy. I'll, I'll do subscribe. that. I'll take that over a shaved head. Uh, and honestly, my wife would prefer the OnlyFans over the shaved head. I could guarantee that. So You did not have to. You, I went through a winter with the shaved head. And I'll tell you what. That's a cold winter. That's a really cold winter. <laughs> Start noticing a little more, you know. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for the podcast, folks. We appreciate you guys sticking around, listening, as you always do. If you've been tuning in live on the YouTube or on the Twitter, we appreciate it. If you're listening now as we wrap up, uh, you know, say hello. We'd love to, to hear from you. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast feed, we appreciate you checking it out. Uh, if you don't already, follow the social media channels so you can catch us live and catch all the content that we put out there. The Instagram is at the Sports Hour Guys. You can follow our TikTok at the Sports Hour Guys as well. The Twitter is at Sports Hour Guys on Twitter. YouTube dot com slash the sports hour guys the website the sports hour guys dot wordpress dot com keeping it all easy you can also listen to the podcast on anchor as we've mentioned but mitch you gotta remind the people about anchor because it's not just where you listen to the podcast it's where you get to be a part of the podcast that's exactly it it's like anchor you can listen to it you can listen to it there you can listen to it wherever you get your podcast that's apple podcast spotify stitcher but where you get to be a part of the conversation is Anchor. And get on anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys and become a permanent part of the conversation. If you want to leave a question on there, um, it could be 
about anything. We, you know, we're a sports show, so you know, anything sports related, but it doesn't even have to be sports related. We'll play it live right here on the show. Again, that's anchor.fm slash slash the sports hour guys to become a permanent part of the conversation. Once again, you can listen to us anywhere that you get your podcast. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Get on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. Tell us that we suck because, Dallin, that's the only way that we can get better. It is, and it's a new year, same podcast, same problems. We just want to get better. So help us out. Let us know how we can do it. Uh, That's all we'd like. Uh, A little bit of help, you know, a little bit of advice, some feedback. It'd be great. If you think we're great, you can let us know too. You know, that's that's also allowed. It doesn't have to be negative. That's right. It's probably negative, but you can say I love you at the end. That make us feel better, right? You suck. I love you. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be cool. Yeah, comment that, that under all of our stuff. Uh, you suck. I love you. We appreciate that. So, <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's uh, that's all we got today. <laughs> That's all we got on the podcast. It has been a hoot. It's been a holler. So much fun. First episode of 2023. uh, And we'll be back with more. So until next time, we love you. We appreciate you. And we'll catch you next week. Get well soon. Damar Hamlin. See ya.